0: two, another exciting episode of the rf generation collector cast number 23 guys my man i can't believe we've uh, we pumped this many of these things out <laughs> but uh man we've got a, a a nice cast and crew for this episode so a bigger group than normal but um the old stalwarts are here so so crabby you're you're here again two in a row that hasn't happened in a long time i know we're, we're glad to divorce you from your your other job for a minute I am glad to be taken away for a little while.
1: <laughs> what? I was going to say, I am glad to be divorced. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, there, of course, is Bill. Bill. Barrow. The team that's, won, right? That's that's him. The team won. Yay, sport, team. Yay, sports. <laughs> All right. Go. That's, that's why this recording is happening like... 28 minutes later than it could have. (laughs) Go ice
0: skaters. (laughs) Go clothes dryer. (laughs) And uh, as you can tell, we have another guest there. And uh, for people that listened a couple episodes ago, they'll recognize Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey,
2: hey, guest. Hey, and Rich, I wanted to give you a minute to plug your other project. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, Well, the other project that we're doing, uh, of course, on RF Generation, if you guys have been paying attention, is the RF Generation Community Playthrough Wrap-Up and... We go through the games, the retro and modern side, and basically just have discussion that, you know, kind of pick through what's on the forums and talk about the games. Gotcha. So I'll give you a second to plug. Where can they find the show if they want it? Oh, they can find the show on, of course, RFGeneration.com. We have a site on Facebook now that they can join. Uh, We are on Podomatic, and we will also be on – we're actually on iTunes. Excellent. So again, what would they type in to search for that? Um, you know, just podomatic.com and uh, look for us uh, RFgen, RFgen community playthrough uh, okay. through that. And same thing with iTunes, just the search field. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you on because yeah, you're going to be contributing
0: uh, to our special little uh, episode that we're going to have today, which we'll get into our topic in just a minute. but. Yeah. Um, We've got some formalities to get out of the way, so um, places you can find us. So, Bill, where can people get us? RFGeneration.com. Awesome. It's the best website in the universe, hands down. That's where
1: I go. Oh. That's right. where all the, all the kids, really. That's right. Well, that's where the sporty sports go, right? <laughs> so oh. It has to be. Of all the idle threads that have been started, the sports ones are the only ones that don't get any traction. <laughs> 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 just Bill. Go team. Until fantasy football meet, meet. season. Right, right. Like me and Techie. Uh, Techie's the only one on the site that I found that uh, I can share some hockey discussions with. Uh, so condolences. His team is out. Uh, but uh, one of the classiest players in the league who was, uh, just finished his 24th season retired. So uh, congrats to Techie and his Ducks.
0: All right. Quack, quack. There you go. Go Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crab- Crabby, where uh, else can people can find us? Not at Zune. Not at I not at Zoom. I said yeah. can't It's, it's, it's CollectorCast.com.
1: Not at not at Zune.org. I always forget that. Backslash, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Right. Uh I didn't I didn't hear. Well where? Oh collectorcast.com. Oh yes, collectorcast.com. Um you can also find us like Rich mentioned before, right? Like we're on iTunes, we're also on Podomatic uh and Stitcher. And then um we verified it in the last episode, right? St- <laughs> where are we where are we still at? <laughs> The the, we're still on podcast, pickle. <laughs> Winner of the 2006 Webby Award, right, Bill?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you remembered. Right, I, pickle. And 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 then and then Wikipedia just it must have been murdered because Wiki just died after that article. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right. There was nothing else left to write. Uh, well, we've got a couple of things that came in here before we get to the main topic. Uh, I kind of threw it out there to Twitter. I said, "Hey, if anybody's got some questions that you'd like us to answer uh, live." Uh, as it were on the show, uh, we would do that. So I've got a few questions here for you guys. So maybe we won't trip all over each other to answer these, but I'd be kind of curious to see what everybody's got to say. So uh, the first one we've got here is at Sega TomCast. I like that name. Sega TomCast. (laughs) Uh, When will America and indeed the world recognize the artistic brilliance that is the Sega Saturn Trophy battle monsters?
1: Never. Next question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody have any any burning love for battle monsters on the Saturn
4: <laughs> not yet no
1: <laughs> I have burning love for enemy zero on the Sega Saturn but that's that's uh, I can't say I'm familiar with uh, with uh, the burning love that Sega Tomcast has for <laughs> uh, what was it monster rancher <laughs> Uh, all the monster games blend together for me. I'm really sorry. All I gotta say is you
0: should probably get your uh burning love taken a look at by your doctor. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Sega Tomcast. I don't think we have <laughs> any secret yeah, I, wisdom about
3: battle
1: monsters. I, I think Sega I think Sega Tomcast needs to write an RF generation blog post about his burning love for this game because that'll get it some attention and then it'll just snowball from there and then. Could love be, will be the burning. next
0: silent service. Who knows? Mm,
1: oh, <laughs> Yeah, you got to aim high, though.
0: I will say that so. you should at least take a look at the cover of Battle Monsters. It I'm is um, checking
4: it out now. It looks pretty rocking, actually. <laughs> that- I, I think I might have to check this out before next recording.
1: There you go. If you're going to buy a
0: game based on the cover, there you go. Completely. Well, remember
1: what Krabby said uh, the other day on the R10 forums. Yay, crap, or something to that effect. <laughs> 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 that was
0: a quote. There you go, direct quote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Well, sorry we can't help you, Sega Tomcast, but let's move on. The next one we got is from the the gentleman over on the Narc podcast. So at narc Podcast writes What is your favorite sequel on the NES that is not a Mario Brothers game?
1: That's a question. That's a question. Bill, wow. what's the answer? Man, favorite sequel on the NES, not a Mario game. Who mm-hmm. could you consider Mike Tyson's Punch Out a sequel?
0: Not on the I NES. Don't think I think so. don't
1: think so. Think so. So is he talking about like a, a, a number? So the original was on the NES also. I'm
0: I'm guessing that's what they're saying. Ooh. Those those are mm. those are a guy a bunch of guys that are really big into NES collecting. So ah, that, that's that's a that's that's a great question. I'll let you think about it, Bill Krabby. Give me an answer. Mega Man Three. You're so wrong.
4: <laughs> Rich, give me a better answer.
0: Honorable shout
4: out to Adventures of Lolo 2.
0: What? Those are all wrong answers. What?
2: Rich. I, we know where Chris is. Contra out. Force. Uh, Pull out. I, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I would I say Mega Man 2, but <laughs> I don't want to take Chris's answer, so I'm going bases loaded 2 on this one.
0: You were right with both those answers, I think. That's pretty good. <laughs> those are pretty good. Uh, no, actually, I would say Ninja Gaiden 2. Oh,
4: actually. no. First one's way better. But uh, Boo. Man, those shadows are awesome.
0: <laughs> what in about that the game? Ancient
1: <laughs> Ship of Doom. The ancient
0: Ship of Doom is really pretty cool. I like the sword upgrade in that one as well, but it doesn't have like the ghost ninjas, so that was an awesome, awesome question I'm, by the I'm, way. I'm, I'm, I'm so blown
1: that. away by the question that I can't think no? of, of non Mario sequels. Um I, I really like Robocop three as well. I need to throw that one. Robocop out there. three. Oh, so you guys have good ones. Like and that's the thing is like the first thing my mind went to was RBI baseball, but I love the first one. So much. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go just just to get everyone mad at me. I'm gonna have to go with Mega Man Four.
0: Whoa, because that's your secret favorite.
1: It really is. A, it's it's my secret. It's not my secret favorite, but it's my uh, it's my personal favorite Mega Man. I I know people don't think it's the best one. It's just the one I grew up and played the most, and I have a super super special spot in my heart for Mega Man Four. Um, so that's what I'm gonna go with.
4: Very good. I feel like any I I like more time to answer this question properly. Well, yeah
1: i'm gonna go through the list and we're gonna come I'm back to this. missing
4: stuff the talk- yeah well, let me yeah, be answering out
2: this through the entire show i i, I guarantee <laughs> it yeah no, I don't no know, love that's for that's casino a... kid too oh
0: boy no uh <laughs> 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 like ducktales too not as good right uh, bubble Bubble Chip- too not as good chippendale, chippendale too not, not as good, good. no um Godfather 2. Powerblade 2, not as good. Not as good. <laughs> not as you dumb. sounded really excited. I know.
4: to like change yeah. it
1: there. Con- yeah, Contra Force, obviously not as good. Yeah. The Adventure
4: yes. Island games were better than the first, I thought. Yeah.
0: Super mm. Super C, maybe? Super C's
4: good. Yeah. Star
2: Tropics, Zodas, no. I, I <laughs> oh, didn't no. think so. No. Definitely <laughs> <not>. <laughs> Zelda 2? Back to the Future no.
1: 2 and 3. Oh, anything Huge, <laughs> better <laughs> than <laughs> the first one? one?
0: No. No. How about the I I ultimate games? How, I can't
1: believe how good that question is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I will just say, if you guys don't, um, if you like our show, you probably really ought to check out the NARC, pod, NARC, NARC podcast. Those guys are also a bunch of big uh, NES nerds uh, that collect.
1: So, good good stuff to listen to. And, and just come up with questions all day that Double Dragon 2.
2: They do. Oh, that's, that's, a good good too. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. That's a good one. There I'm, you go. I'm going to change my the... answer. Castlevania 2. There oh! it is. Oh! It. Oh, <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know I love it. <laughs> I did with the Dragon Warriors, and those, thanks, those Rich. Got better thanks as they for, went along. Yeah.
0: Thanks
1: for being on the show. Well, yeah, guess, Time to kick you I off. I guess there is uh, <laughs> uh, Adventure of Link. I, I said that it <laughs> Zelda too. I like. No, yeah, yeah, Zelda. Yeah, like Zelda. I didn't
4: hear that either. <laughs> oh, Iron
2: <laughs> Sword. Oh, there, that's my answer. It's Iron <laughs>
0: Fabio. That's pretty good.
2: I'm going to say Flintstones 2, but I, I haven't <laughs> yeah. played it. So if someone could sell me a copy for 100 bucks. we could uh, you know, we could flesh that out and see which one's better.
0: <laughs> I, and I know you want to play it
2: because it was your favorite game as a child yes. along with stadium events, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's that's why I want it. That's right.
0: Uh, okay. And uh, the next well, – actually, the, next, the last two questions we have are also from uh, the individual – Guys from the NARC Podcast who are very nice and, and mentioned our show a couple times, so those are good guys. But um, Chris Roberts, who is at CWR2, asks us, "What was your favorite video game magazine?" I'm gonna I'm gonna go backwards. It's a rich
2: favorite video game magazine. Uh, I, I I guess Nintendo Power. I, I I did not. I was not a big magazine person, so I gotta go Nintendo Power. It's the only one I ever owned. Okay.
0: All right. All right.
4: Crabby? As much as I want to join uh, Rich, um, I think I enjoyed Game Pro more when I was a kid. Game Pro? Yeah. Really? But, yeah, because, you know, I get to read about, like, the Neo Geo and stuff that I could never afford when I was a kid. And they had, uh, That's that was just the one sad. with the really goofy faces, right? You're like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Bizarre fun, hair
1: sticking up in the goofy face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh, like that. Z- one. Yeah. Zag did a, a great, uh, uh, revival of that uh, rating system on RFT. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. I like it.
1: Uh, Bill, um, I'm in the same boat as uh, as everybody. I'd like to say Nintendo Power because I had it. Like, if if we're talking covers, Nintendo Power is my favorite. Like, especially like the yeah. fir- like the Nintendo years because like all those covers like take like Ratatouille like take me back to like my childhood like Ratatouille does. Um, to the rat <laughs> wow. in the movie. Um, but I was a big, uh, EGM dude, mm. um, in the, in the glory days of EGM, which I consider like the, uh, kind of like, a, uh, uh, kind of like the PlayStation one era. Uh, I was all, and then the dream into the dreamcast, I was all EGM. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I would like to say EGM cause I really did. I think I read like almost the entire run of that magazine period.
1: Um, I also like four dudes reviewing a thing.
0: Four dudes re- okay.
1: Yeah, in in some of the old uh, EGMs like the ratings oh, yeah, like yeah, it yeah. would be it would be a column so it wasn't just like one score it was like, you know, Greg 8.5, Linda 6.2, uh, you know, uh Tom 10. And I'm pretty 12. sure there was no Linda. Uh, well, <laughs> this is uh we're trying to uh, be inclusive. They were not inclusive. So uh but no, and I remember like the first time I saw a ten rating and it was like all ten, like ten, 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 ten. It was like, whoa. <laughs> you remember
0: like sushi they had like going on? sushi X guy who was like the fake yeah. whatever guy. Yeah. 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 I you know, I I liked EGM, but yeah, I'm gonna give my credit to Die Hard Game fan just because that magazine was so messed up and <laughs> screwed up <laughs> and and just oh gosh, probably shouldn't have should have been edited much better than it was, but uh, I don't know. Did you guys ever read Die Hard Game Fan?
1: No, I never heard of
0: it. Oh, man. It was this magazine that was kind of put out by this place that I guess started as like an import shop, but I mean, it got pretty good circulation for a while, but the People that ran it, uh, oh, my gosh, they weren't journalists. (laughs) Let's just say this. They weren't very (laughs) professional, but it was fun to read. And they would always do, like, really crazy import coverage. Uh, Their ratings were always way off the mark because I think they were trying to sell stuff. But um, it was a lot of fun to read it. So I would say um, check out Die Hard Game Fan. It was pretty cool for a while. So that was a good one. Um, The last question from Twitter comes to us from Rip, who is at mail underscore bag, mailbag. And um, it says M A L E. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> that, if you look at that Twitter uh, account, you'll find something completely different.
4: Someone shaving.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> I, I think. The shaving mailbag.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Reminds me the of the title. time in college title, right? I accidentally okay. typed in hotmail.com. Hot dot com. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, this is going to be a good show. I can tell already. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So, um, well, Rip's question is, he um, says, I love all the NES collecting talk, of course, on our show. Uh, of course. But what are some arcade memories you guys might have? And I do, we don't we have to go too oh, far. far oh, wow. question, too far for that Because that's going to segue, right?
1: Oh, yeah. He sounds like Wonderful. he's a fan of the foreshadowing aspect of the
3: show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So actually, Rip, we're not going to answer your question right this minute because we're going to get into that in our main topic. So let's go. Okay. So, uh, as we alluded to in the, and there just a second ago, we're going to talk a little bit about arcade games and pinball games, specifically, of course, collecting these things.
2: And that's why we brought Rich on board, right? So Rich, right. big pinball collector, right? Oh, yeah. I think everyone on the site knows that, uh, I'm a big pinball guy. I like, uh, you know, repairing them, fixing them up, getting them to play. And, um, uh, just, you know, I've been doing a lot more collecting now than, purchasing and reselling but uh yeah it's a great hobby really enjoy it and helping crabby get into the addiction as well
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: i got a local
4: friend who's feeding that very fiercely too lately
0: oh um so just to set the stage a little bit so rich how many pinballs
2: do you have right now uh right now i have 12 and a half 12 and a half yes okay that that makes perfect sounds like a problem exactly
1: uh and as soon as you get into the hobby you'll understand exactly why that makes perfect (laughs) sense
2: well i'll i'll explain the half the half is um a buddy and i uh, i got a lead from someone to go to about a machine uh that this guy apparently wasn't interested in and um the guy was giving it away for free and so uh Buddy and I went and got the machine, and it was one that he was looking for, so I kind of gave it to him for his wedding. I had found it, but, you know, I I knew he was was looking for it, so I gave it to him, and I was like, well, you can have it, but if you get ready to sell it, you know, (laughs) uh, I'll I'll take half of the proceeds, which is still, you know, this is like a $1,600 machine, that's still, you know, a really nice present, so he's going to restore it, and I don't see him getting rid of it, so I hope he keeps it as long as he can, so... He's a really good friend, and actually does a lot of work for me uh, on my machine. So,
0: do you get free play when you go over to his house? Then,
2: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: <sighs> well, let's uh, let's bump it over here just to kind of set the stage here. So, Krabby, you're dabbling in some arcade and pinball too, right?
4: Yeah, still fairly new to me, but I'm
0: diving right in. And um, and where are you at right now in terms of? I know you have arcade machines as well, right? I have
4: two pinballs right now and about 30 arcade machines. 30 wow. arcade Whoa. machines?
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. The sickness has overtaken the poor man. <laughs>
4: it's addictive. I it forgot r- to really ask, is. Rich,
2: do you have any arcades? Uh, I do not. Um, the only arcade that I'm actively looking for is a Warlords cocktail. And I think Warlords. we've talked about that a little bit before. But uh, Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, not well, a I'm sure guy. we'll get.
0: Yeah, we'll get farther into um, uh, all this madness in a minute, but wow, I had no idea it's gotten all the way to 30. It's gotten to 30, and I have like
4: 12 leads I'm like waiting to hear back from too. (laughs) So
0: you're going to have a nice arcade set up there pretty soon, right? Working on it. All right. And Bill, uh, Mm. you have some exposure with arcade games as well?
1: I do. I have one machine. It's a uh, a dual screen PlayChoice 10 um, that... uh, I've, you know, been kind of on the on the lookout for it for a while and about a year a little over a year ago, I got a pretty good lead on a really uh a n one in really nice shape. So uh been kinda ever since I picked it up and kind of been uh lurking on some of the uh major uh you know arcade forums, uh chatting with Rich a little bit here and there, seeing uh what the, the basics are of what you should do when you get one, like basic maintenance, repair, all the terminology and stuff. So we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, I don't have any pins. I'm not actively looking. Um, I'd like to have one or two maybe eventually. Um, so uh, I'm here to learn a little bit as well. Dude, they're like Excellent. Pringles. <laughs> they <are. laughs> I, I was just going to mention something like that. Uh, you say uh, one. Covered in, You'll tell your wife one.
0: Unless you're me and then you're stuck. Um, I have a, I have a pin and I have an arcade, so I've got a Congo Bongo arcade and I've got, um, uh, an old uh, EM pin from Chicago coin, which I'm sure we'll probably get in some of that. But, um, yeah, that's me. That's my, that's probably about as far as it's going to get. Some of the to get swapped out <laughs> if I want something else, but, um, maybe, or maybe a kid, maybe I'll swap a kid out. <laughs> 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 I need the room. I'm sorry. Go live outside. Uh, But yeah, so I mean, we all have some exposure to these machines. So what we hope to do is um, kind of just talk about the world of arcade and pen collecting, kind of go into a little bit. Uh, I'll be curious to hear from our listeners what they do too as well. So um, can we start off by talking a little about getting into the hobby, right? So where are good places to start? Where do you find these things? Um, so, So let's, Krabby, you're pretty new to this, but have built a pretty quick mass of these right so so tell me about getting into this um well the first first couple that i got
4: were um just off of like a craigslist deal a guy was moving wanted to get rid of a four-player teenage mutant ninja turtles machine so that was uh just kind of lucked into it right time right place was able to pick it up quick so i got it for a decent price and then after that we knew of uh it was like kind of like a Chuck E. cheese kind of a deal but locally owned was closing down and they had some arcade machines so we just kept bugging the owners while they were shutting down and ended up getting my uh virtua tennis from them and then a couple months later i ended up getting the neo geo that they had in the store from one of their employees who was uh, selling it after he'd had it in his house for a few months
0: neo geo yeah so that was the that was the start and uh and then you got the store, and things spiraled way out of control. Is that uh... yeah, apparently,
4: when you can operate them in public um or just like have that i don't know presence as a business, people take your offers more seriously and your leads, so they just started pouring in after that
0: <laughs> and um and and you make money off of them now, right?
4: A little bit, yeah. They're not like I've I got them all set at a quarter, so I'm not making like crazy money, but uh, it's mostly just for the atmosphere. And like, you know, it's I, I get some entertainment out of watching like four grown men playing turtles or someone bringing their kid in to play uh, King of Fighters or something like that.
0: <laughs> That's pretty good, pretty good. And um, and as far as the pinballs go, those are pretty recent for you, too, right yep absolutely those uh i've
4: i've been looking for one for about as long since i got the turtle machine which is a few years ago um they are considerably harder to find um but i eventually was able to track down three locally one of which i ended up trading um but i got them from an old music shop in town Um, the guy who runs it used to operate most of the pinball machines around town so once in a while People will pay him for his musical repairs and stuff um, in pinballs. Interesting. Yeah, so he had a couple sitting around that he didn't care to restore himself that I got for a pretty good deal off of him. And then a f- friend that I met through the store who I bought a few arcade machines off of last year um, heard of a pinball. He he lives in the city about 45 minutes away from me. And he heard of a pinball down the block from him. So he ended up buying that, keeping it in his garage until he came to visit next time and hold it down for me.
0: Awesome. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what's your storage locker situation like. It has no room for more pinballs. <laughs> a second locker, there are no more arcades. In. I'm sure they'll sell you one. No problem. Yes. I've already, already been in the works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would imagine. Um, so, Bill, I you were kind of alluding where you said uh how did you track down that PlayChoice then?
1: Um this was back when I was still kind of checking Craigslist on a semi-daily basis or you know, once in a while and uh I just had it as like a saved search, you know, NH. uh sorry, uh 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 Nintendo PC10 or PlayChoice 10 like, you know, I have a couple different phrases that I'll search just depending on the way people list stuff. And uh it you know, one popped up one day, it was a dual screen, which is the model that I wanted. Um And, uh, you know, had, uh, uh, 10 games in it. Uh, it was a pretty decent, it was like the price wasn't amazing, but it was like one of the best condition ones I've ever seen. Um, it was about an hour and a half from uh, where I live, which isn't too bad. Um, when it comes to arcade machines, since they're not, you know, kind of like as readily available as, you know, like Nintendo or Genesis carts or anything like that, you kind of have to be willing to travel a little bit as I'm sure Rich will talk about, Absolutely. (laughs) um, but, uh, uh yeah, so, you know, I, I called, uh, I saw the price and, you know, saw some pictures, emailed the guy. He got back to me same day and it was actually a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, a nail biter. He uh, um, it was right before we were planning on going to Boston for a weekend. So I told him I'm going to Boston for the weekend. Um, I'm definitely interested. Um, I'll be back like on Tuesday. And he was like, yeah, no problem. And like and like the next day uh, I get an email that says like, hey, someone else is interested in it. So immediately I, I'm start like, uh, he's trying <laughs> to you know drive it up or like do something. So like I was at work at the time. I walked out of work and I said I called him. I was like, hey dude, like I you know I kind of thought we had something going. Like I already I I sold a co- like a, a Nintendo game one that I had recently picked up um, to kind of help fund it because it wasn't ex- you know planning on buying it. So uh, so like, yeah. So I kind of thought we had something. He's like, oh no no no, like we do. I just you know I just want you to know that there is there is other interest. So. Like, if you're really interested, we can still do something. I just, you know, I've had a lot of people say they're interested and then you don't hear from them ever again. He's like, I had a guy say he was on his way to my house and I never heard from him again. <laughs> so, so I was like, I understand if I can make it there tonight. Well, is that fine? So I scrambled together. I got a friend of mine who had a pickup truck. We took a ride down. Um, we got it, which was great. Uh, and we, when I got there, um, the, the price we agreed on was, like, only for, like, some of the games. But then he's like, you know what? For, like, a little bit more, I'll give you all the games. So we did that. Um, and, yeah, so it's my, it's my only machine. Um, it's it's And that's part of what I like about collecting everything, but especially arcade machines, because there's almost always a cool story with every machine. Because <laughs> um, there's, there's a trip, or there's, you know, like, a situation, or there's a trade, or there's, you know, like, something happened for you to acquire this machine. So... That's part of what I like about collecting. So uh, uh, I like that I have that. And I like that it's become more than just, you know, having this thing. It's become like, okay, now I've learned how to solder. And I've learned about capacitors. and I've learned a little bit about circuitry and like, you know, the PCBs and about, you know, not electrocuting yourself to death when you work on monitors. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, like, you know, it, it really has become this thing where like, you know, you kind of have to like when you get, it's almost like when you get a dog you're thinking about the fun parts of it and you're not thinking about that. It's way more work than fun. (laughs) Um, so it's, it's you're When you get an arcade machine or a pinball, I'm sure you're signing up for like studying and, you know, like learning about this and like the maintenance, but it's as fun as anything that I've encountered in the hobby so far. Yeah,
0: certainly. Uh Um, well, what about you, Rich? Where where do you go about uh, getting started here? Where did you get started, and where do you locate these things now?
2: Well, I, I got started um, uh, a local business open. I, I talk about it quite a bit on the website. Um, uh, it's a local retro store, and they had pinball machines, and just going in there and playing for a month or so, I, I was like, I, I have to have one. You know, I, I played them all <laughs> during my childhood, and it was something that I had sort of forgotten about, you know, but it was such a big part of my childhood. I said, I've got to go get one. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money at the time, I had 200 bucks, and so a friend and I uh, went to look at some old uh, electromechanical machines, which is what you have, Chris. Um, uh, right. and for people who don't know what electromechanical is, that's the, that's the ones that have the, the, the reels that spin in the back to keep the scores and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dinging kind of machines that you, mm-hmm. you probably have heard before. And, um, so I went and picked, uh, my first machine was called Spanish eyes and it was kind of this mosaic kind of back glass. It was, it was a really neat machine, kind of odd. And, uh, just, just went from there, fixed it up, um kept it for i guess a little over half a year ended up selling it for 400 realized you know i can i can kind of do this and you know just started bringing in more machines trying them out flipping them and uh you know just making more and more money off of them till i could you know start to accumulate and afford ones that i that i wanted to keep and so that's kind of you know kind of the transition i'm in right now is putting together a collection of uh of kind of more rare otter games that a lot of people haven't heard of but are really fantastic games and I think that's what a lot of people yeah you know, my friends uh really enjoy coming over to my house and playing they don't get to play them anywhere else so
0: yeah definitely yeah. you you're definitely right especially you got have a lot of space to try, to have lots of pinballs because pinballs take up you know probably what two two arcade Slots, right? That you could probably squeeze some in somehow, side by side.
2: So I, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a very awesome wife. Uh, I'll say that uh, she is <laughs> important. It it is. What's that like? It, oh, <laughs> oh wow!
0: <laughs> I hope your wife does not listen to the show.
2: Of course not.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: or listen by the door. Yeah,
2: the uh, the dryer's getting turned on again. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, yeah, just uh, I, I do have a fantastic wife who has allowed me to uh, basically use our garage for uh, pinball. And so we don't park our cars in the garage. It's just a <laughs> family fun center and the kids love it as well. My wife doesn't play, doesn't care anything about it. But, you know, it. she, she enjoys that I have a hobby that I really like. And um, she knows I like to tinker, just kind of a, a habit of mine. So as long as I'm hey. still getting everything done around the house, you know. She's cool. <laughs> I need to echo that too, because uh with with this
4: limited storage, like I was talking about, we've actually got five arcades and two pinballs in our basement right now, like our living room so my yeah my wife's been very understanding with
1: the uh the amount of space these things take up, yeah, 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 I would say that's pretty important. Yeah, all kidding aside, it was my wife's idea to bring the (laughs) machine into our house. (laughs) I was actually going to store it, as I've said before on the show. My main bulk of my collection is in my parents' uh, a very nice, uh, spacious, waterproof basement, and uh, I was just going to bring it directly over there and leave it there. You know, go over there every once in a while to tank around at work on it, and like, but the minute before I left, the door, uh, she looks at me and she's like, you know, if it's over there, you're never really gonna like, you know, get to play it and like, won't be here. And I was like, well. You think we could fit it here, and we kind of like you know worked the room around a little bit and uh, found space for it. So, even though she doesn't listen, we will have to give her credit. <laughs> blink,
4: blink <laughs> twice if there's a gun to your head. Bill. <laughs>
3: <laughs> she outside the room, now <laughs>
1: <laughs> If you are <were> under duress.
0: <laughs> uh, um, well, you know, I obviously am not quite as deep as a couple of you guys are, but. um, yeah, mine both my mine both came from Craigslist. Um the the pinball, there was a guy that just posted that uh he didn't really have many details. It just like, hey, I've got a pinball machine, I'm looking to sell it. And uh he only it just basically was like hundred and fifty bucks. Um, you know. Nice. So as soon as I saw the thing I hopped on it, called him like, Hey, you know, I wanna come see it. When can I come? And I go out there with a a buddy of mine who had a had a truck. Of course, you have to have the friend with a truck if you don't have one. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, hey, can you just yeah, go? And that, and that,
1: oh, go ahead. That's a that's a really good point. If you don't have friend with truck, you kind of have to budget in that extra hundred bucks in the price of the unit that you're going. Yeah, you'll need to rent a truck. Yeah, whether it's a rental or even if you do like I gave that friend of mine who drove me to buy the machine, I gave him like eighty bucks it's, you know, it was like two hours. He helped me like with it and everything. So it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an important thing to factor in when you're, when you're going to be, you know, driving around for these machines. Yeah. Uh,
0: but I, I, I just called him up and he's, he's a good buddy. And, um, I said, Hey, um, I know this is like off the cuff, but there's this guy. Can you just go with me? Like after work, just right over to this guy's house. And he's, yeah, sure. All right. So, you know, he picks me up. We go over there, and like the guy is not there. There's no way at the house. We're just hanging out. And I'm like, well, do you mind? Can we like wait a little while? About a half hour in, this guy finally shows up. And, <laughs> um, and what he was like an older guy. And basically, they, were, his family was moving and like all of them were gone. He was just buttoning up like the last few things in the house. Uh, and this pinball was there. And, um, he lets us go and look at it. And he's like, man, I've been getting so many phone calls about this, this thing today. And I'm like, well, don't worry. <laughs> you know, just can I see it? You know, if it's, it's good, I'll <laughs> take it. Um, and we go in there and it, it was, um, you know, the legs were off of it sitting on the garage floor. and But it looked great. And I, you know, I asked him a few questions like, you know, it hadn't been played for years and years. But um, it was basically um, a home use only machine. It had never really wow. been out a route or anything. And... Um, I said, well, you know, does do you know if it works? He said, well, I don't know, but he said you can we can plug it in and we can see. So we plugged it in, and and nothing, you know, wouldn't wouldn't turn on, wouldn't anything. And so I, you know, you got to take the chance sometimes, right? So I said, oh, look, it doesn't work. Would you do a <laughs>
2: hundred? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the guy, because because I know, I'm like the guy just wants to leave. This is like the last crap he's done. He really just, and so he's like sure just whatever can you take it I go like, yes of course um, so we you know tear it apart we take it he didn't have the keys or anything so we had to be very gentle because oh. we couldn't get the back box uh, off of it but it was safe got it home hooked it up uh, plugged it in it worked fine I think the guy just didn't have power to that plug in house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a switched outlet something he just didn't, <laughs> oh, awesome. he didn't you know, plug in no problem
0: played right just fine um, That's great. So that was good. The Congo Bongo that I got actually was a guy on Craigslist. Uh, he was just giving it away. Um, he had it. It was not in good shape. It's it's still not in good shape, but it's playable and whatnot. Um, but you know the cabinet's chewed up. It's not great. Uh, but he was just giving away. It's like you know whoever comes and gets it first. So again, I put in a call to a couple of buddies. I'm like, hey, can we go? And so we just drove out there and threw it on the bed of the truck and and hauled it back home. So.
2: Yeah, that's important. You you have to have buddies in this hobby. I mean, you really do. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it, I have friends all over the state and even in Virginia who are lo- on the lookout for machines for me, and I do the same for them. You know, uh, it's that that's an important thing, and and you need to have local friends too that you can call up and say, "Hey, there's this machine on Craigslist. You want to go get murdered tonight?" <laughs> <laughs> is it the bad part of town you, you, you have to have like a crazy enough friend to go with you i mean i can tell you some stories uh, and i could write a book of the stories i have going to get machines and it, it's amazing so yes craigslist is good but you know be careful that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah i, I helped, helped
4: yeah. a friend a little while yeah. ago he picked up a machine about 40 minutes out of town and when you're out of town around where I live, you're, there's, there's not another city. You're just like going to some weird house in the middle of nowhere. And so we, we showed up at his, at his place and he's got a huge property. And there are literally like pyramids of like snowmobiles and cars (laughs) and (laughs) chairs. And this guy (laughs) is just.
0: (laughs) So so do you worry? Is it going to be like it puts the lotion on its skin? (laughs) Well, it's
4: kind of. And the the guy comes out of his house, you know, with his plaid shirt like wide open, like fat, hairy chest hanging out. And this is like December up here. (laughs) So (laughs) it's cold. You don't walk out of your house like that. Oh, that's that's
1: mailbag at Twitter, right? <laughs> <Hey>. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
4: those are our
1: listeners
0: are beating up. And
4: he he walked us to like we had to go for like a six minute walk down his property oh. to to a pile of school buses he had, <laughs> and in one of the school buses was the two arcade machines. Like we had to go in the bus uh, through the back <laughs> emergency exit. And near the front of the bus and check out these two machines.
1: You know, you know, Duke made the joke earlier, but this literally happened in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, <laughs> only that's what was, I was only just saying. It was a couch and a van. Yeah. <laughs> it okay. Put lotion on its skin. Two quick stories. Yeah. So, so uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I sorry. got to
4: help my buddy uh, haul that one out of the out of the bus, <laughs> and it was it was like covered in like rat feces. And, like, it was
3: it was gross. <laughs> Uh.
1: And not even the good kind
3: (laughs) (laughs) Really
4: nice though (laughs) He's got a really nice rally bike in his basement now Oh boy
0: (laughs) Uh, Rich you have some horror stories you're wanting to share then?
2: So the first machine I picked up was on a trailer like one of these big flatbed trailers And the guy literally had to stand on one end of it because To balance the trailer while I stood on it and played the machine (laughs) To like check it out (laughs)
3: <laughs> that, it really happened.
2: He had his foot on it. Uh, and I had to you know, stand on the trailer and play the machine while this guy was balancing me. <laughs> it, it, was the, it was the weirdest thing. This first machine I picked up. And I also had a buddy one time that went to a house to pick up a machine and there was a graveyard in the back of this guy's house. <laughs> <laughs> like a family graveyard. So come armed. Is that the, <laughs> is that the tip? Uh, no, that, that's never, that's never a good idea. You know, if <laughs> if you, if you go, if you go armed and someone sees something like that, then they're probably armed. So it, that's, that's never a good idea, but just, <laughs> you know, you can usually get a good feel for someone talk speaking with them on the phone. And, and I, you know, I usually try to get a good vibe from somebody. Um, but you know there are some machines that are worth taking the chance on. So you know I'll right. go at any cost.
4: <laughs> Find with most of the machines that that I've picked up, um, you're picking them up because the person wants them gone, not because they're like, oh hey, I'm thinking about maybe selling this. Right. I feel like right. yeah, I've got a lot of negotiating power in most of those uh, instances.
0: Yeah, it definitely helps when they're motivated. Because I'm sure yeah. when it's the other way around, it's probably just expensive. Yes. Right? Yes, it can be. Tell me, you know, uh, we've talked about Craigslist and, and some other hookups. So, but um, what about some other resources that are out there? Um, I know there's like our auctions and things, right?
2: Absolutely. I attend one every other month. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a local auction, it's a video game. Um, you know, basically any type of recreational machine. They have pool tables, foosball tables, ping pong, um, you know, gambling machines, um, and and they always have, you know, usually about 20 to 50 pinball machines and just loads oh, of arcade games. Loads of arcade games. I mean, you know, um, in the high hundreds of arcade machines. Um, and that's every other month near me. So that's it's really nice and Lucky. It's, Yeah. It, it's not only a good place. I've never bought a machine there. Um, but I, you know, I typically go to meet other pinball people and catch up and talk and, you know, it's just a nice community atmosphere. So.
0: Awesome. Any other tips that you guys could recommend?
2: Um, yeah.
4: Like, you remember how back in the day, like, every, like, you grocery store, corner store, everyone had these machines? Mm-hmm. They're still in a lot of these places. <laughs> like, if you see a beat up old restaurant on the side of the road, sometimes it's worth checking out. They'll have a pinball hiding in the back or so we've picked them up uh, out of like old pool halls um laundromat's or uh, well, yeah laundromats yeah. old restaurants um one of the places recently that I've I've kind of found a gold mine in is uh, re- restoration uh companies uh i'm finding at least around here they're they're ending up with a lot of uh these machines from places that are closing down old arcades that are shut down people's homes that have been you know Fire damaged or water damaged, and they they don't want them. They want to get them out of their building because they don't normally deal with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten a lot of my machines for really cheap from local restoration companies. So so none of the ones I've got yet either have been like smoke damaged or anything like that either. Very nice, very nice.
0: Yeah. Any other recommendations you guys have for locating these things?
1: Um, I uh, we're probably going to get into some of the uh, uh, you know the the arcade forums in a little right. bit, but just because it's one that I there's a local forum. It's called the New England Arcade Collectors Forum, uh NICAF, uh however you want to say that. Um and uh it's only open to residents of New England. Uh and what's kind of cool about that is that you like Rich said, like he's got people all throughout the state and like, you know, a state or so over. So this is uh like a whole forum, uh just kind of like an auxiliary forum separate than the main ones that we use, but it's all local people. So when you put stuff up for sale you know, you're talking to people who are kind of, you know, within a couple hours of you who, you know, uh, probably also have things for sale. So you can actually end up trading arcade machines or pinballs or whatever. So um, that's one of the other places that I look um, is on – it's hard to look on a forum for local stuff because they're, you know, nation or worldwide. But there it, there are uh, regional forums uh, that you could look into and see if there's one around you.
2: Yeah, hey, I'm going to echo what Bill said. I mean, if you're definitely interested in picking up a machine or, or machines – Local forums are gonna be your your best and your safest, most reliable source. Um, I, I'm a member of a forum that's uh, basically East Coast, um, and it's a it's a pinball forum. It's called uh, pinballbash.com, and um, it's sort of it's a really great community. And um, you know we have people from Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, and on up. I mean we have some people from um, it, it's not. Extremely exclusive. We do let people in from Pennsylvania. Have a few people from New York, uh, but it, it's just a it's a great place to talk machines. And you know, when you're selling, when you're selling or buying machines, you're buying it from someone who has experience with these machines. And typically, you may be paying a little more, but at the same time, you know, you know, you're getting something. Usually, you're getting something reliable and something that's been gone through that someone else has handled. That knows what they're doing. So it's nice.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I've I'm on a local Indiana Pinball Players League. It's um it's like a I think it's I do it through like a Google group, but I think it's technically like a an old um like news news group posting thing. So uh those news groups are still out there <laughs> and people are still using them. But um there are different ways that you can access those things. Yeah, definitely some nice ways you can go out there and look. It's a lot of different um, resources that are out there that you can tap into. So that'll bring us up to the next thing, though. So you know, you want to let's say you decide, okay, I want to do this. I want to get an arcade. I want to get a pinball. How do you determine what these things are worth? What's your where do you go to decide? All right, I I gotta go in and negotiate. How do I know if I'm if I'm talking the right language
2: here? I as far as pinball goes, I can only speak for pinball. I've I've never really bought arcade cabs, but. Um, As far as pinball goes, a good source is uh, MrPinball.com actually sells a yearly price guide. And what they do is they take uh, statistics of sales, uh, past sales and more recent sales throughout the previous year. And they determine sort of a a price uh, for the machine, which is, uh, you know, this book is something that's known in the pinball community and something, you know, most pinheads use to sort of price their machines fairly. Um there's if you're looking for a website, something that's free, uh Boston uh pinball, I think it's dot uh has a um, has a price guide and I think that uses uh eBay statistics uh to determine uh prices. Okay.
0: There you go. Krabby what about you? You're going, okay, I'm gonna go buy thirty arcade machines. <laughs> Um
4: I find the pricing on arcade machines very subjective and wildly different. Um mm-hmm. just it's some it's an item that doesn't sell daily or even monthly sometimes, so it's really hard to pin down the price and your area is going to affect the price. Um what condition the machine is going to affect mm-hmm. the price a lot. Um how many buyers are around you are going to affect the price. Like I I've had some, I feel I've gotten for hundreds of dollars cheaper than I should have just because nobody else around was able to grab it as quick as the guy wanted.
0: Okay. So where do you start out? Usually let them set the opening bids or do you come in low or how do you do that? A lot
4: of times people have a price in mind. Um, and that's, I, I find that good in most cases because you can come in and say, well, it needs this and this and this and this, so, you know, I'm going to offer you $200 less than that. And they're usually okay with that if you can justify why you're offering them less. Right. Okay. Um, I have gone into, like, when I, I did, uh, say, in one of those restoration places, they closed down an arcade and I was I got the chance to get, like, 20 machines all at once. Mm-hmm. I offered him really low, like like, kind of like I would start a you know, a bid with any anything, I wasn't too sure on the price. Like, this was something where I didn't have pictures. I just kind of had a list of the games included. Mm-hmm. So, I, I started low, expecting him to counter-offer, and then we'd be in the middle somewhere. He just accepted my first offer and said, yeah, <laughs> <Wow>. take them, <laughs> awesome. get them out of here. Yeah, so I, I got, you know, almost like less than 200 bucks a machine for 20 machines.
0: Yeah. Very nice. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and that's some crazy. Some of them were... Some of them ended up being pretty good shape and pretty desirable machines, so I was
1: pretty happy with that. Yeah, that's
0: good. So, Bill, when you were shopping for PC10, what was your what was your strategy?
1: Uh, it, it was pretty similar. I mean, it's it's really difficult to find uh, things, uh, you know, that are like eBay auctions. You can't really trust because you know a lot of them don't end. A lot of people don't want to pay, you know, freight shipping. Lots for their of them are them. local
4: pickup only.
1: Yeah. Um, and also, like, uh, the prices of machines uh, can be uh, extremely determinate upon uh, the region that you're in. Um, there are people who, you know, like, uh, uh, we were talking about candy cabs uh, off air, you know, a couple months mm-hmm. back. And we talked about how not a lot of them made their way across to the East Coast because they came over, on, you know, from Japan. There's a, there's a ton of them on the West Coast. But if you see one over on the East Coast, it's like, OK, if it's a good price, pick it up. You don't see too many over here. Um, so for me, it was a lot of like, I lurked on uh claw for a while, which we'll definitely talk about in a bit. Um, I lurked on, I got on new England arcade collector forum. I'm friends with a girl on uh, Twitter who's a big, uh, uh, arcade and pinball collector. She owned a barcade for a little while. Um, so she was a good source. Um, I, I hit up rich people on forums. Um, I just, you know, I was really annoying and I asked a lot of questions to a lot of people who I thought, you know, had the answers. Um, and I, I kind of figured out, you know, what my negotiating strength was like, you know, uh, the, our, like the game, like for the place, 10, there's, you know, it could be a blank motherboard, with no games. It could have one to 10 games in it. So I kind of needed to know the rough values of those games as well, just for, you know, the negotiation part of it. Um, it didn't end up being too bad on the negotiation because the machine was in such good shape. And the guy was motivated. Like Krabby said, these people are motivated to sell. Um, this guy didn't want to just get rid of it. Um, he liked it, but he was restoring pinball machines and he needed the space. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, he needed to get rid of it either way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, none of these things had been selling on, at least I haven't seen any on Craigslist besides the one that I got. So I mainly got my prices from, you know, forums and chatting with people and stuff like that. Very
0: good. Yeah, definitely having resources that you can pull people you can talk to. Um, those are important. Uh, and also, like everybody said, you just be in the right place at the right time. Right. With money.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you just
0: got to pull a lot of money
4: out and take a shot in the dark. Like you, you got to wing it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I would just, you know, I guess the only thing I would chime in is just say, have cash. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Always cash in a truck.
4: If you can have cash in a truck in a day, then you're, you're set. Cash is
2: king. Yeah. That's, that's Uh the rule of thumb. Cash is king. And you can often get stuff for less just laying out some bills on top of a machine. You know, yeah. Seeing it, people seeing money. I mean, that's, That's a good way to get it cheaper.
1: Um, Roll a $100 bill around 50 singles. (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just the size of the wad of money you pull out and someone sees that it's it's i mean it sounds uh loonies don't look as silly, impressive up here <laughs> <laughs> we don't have <laughs> any singles yeah it's they, all coins they pull out like, like they your pull sock out a full ba- of coins and you they pull out down. a huge yeah a bag with a dollar sign on it
2: <laughs> 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 let's see that, that's where i might disagree with, disagree with bill just a little bit I, I i don't like to show like everything i have and i i've made the mistake sometimes of 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 leaving from work and not bringing a change of clothes. And I, I wear, you know, business dress to work and I've shown shown up and I've noticed when I do that, people won't give me as good of a deal as if I show up in like t-shirt and jeans, you know, because they know you got money, oh, cause, right? Cause exactly. You're, Cause you're not
1: the every man. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, that's a good point too. And
2: that's a little piece of advice for me. Don't do not wear business attire. <laughs> Pick up the sheet. no, yeah,
1: what, yeah. Look, look like you were just painting a room. <laughs> yeah, and mess your hair up, up a little bit. bit. And, yeah, little mustard on the shirt. And also pay, pay all with singles. Like hold the sack of singles in your hand, and then just like crunch flick it up, them up real good, like
2: you've had them in your pocket for a
1: week too.
0: <laughs> or, or just make my, it
2: rain. <laughs> <laughs> my, my tip
0: would be, you know, bring the cash with you always. Yes. Um, yeah. Don't think. Oh, I'll just go back to the ATM. That's the, that's no. the wrong answer. Have the money nope. in hand. And I'll go back to what I do even at yard sales. Separate pockets. Yep. Right? Yep. Separate Absolutely. pockets. So you don't have to flash the whole wad, right? Like, well, I've got... And when you pull that out, sometimes that's just enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you got you to gotta be able to wheel and deal a little bit, certainly. I'm going to guess that most people, when they get into the hobby, they probably just want a machine um yeah. or maybe a particular machine like bill was really on the hunt mm-hmm. for a play choice um right but a lot of this that goes into it along with price is knowing how hard these things how rare they are how hard they are to find so uh rarity guides do you guys have any um places you go to find out how how many of these machines were made how can you how can you find this stuff
2: sure um I'll i'll start um uh, for pinball machines, a good site is uh, www.ipbd.org. That's Internet Pinball. Oh, I'm sorry, ipdb.org. Internet Pinball <laughs> Database. Um, and it has full listings. You just type in the name of the machine. It uh, tells you how many were made. Um, it, it doesn't tell you anything about value, but it it shows pictures of all the machines, so you can, you know, if you're if you're looking at something, let's say on Craigslist. You can kind of see if all the components match up to make sure that, um you know, there's something that's not, you know, like the wrong, like uh plastics or pop bumpers or that the cabinets painted, you know, original. And I, I always do that before going to look at machines just because I, that's that's a bargaining tool. You know, if the machine's not painted correctly, if it's not original or doesn't have original parts, that's something that you're going to have to throw money into if you're, you know, if you're that concerned about it, so.
0: Yeah, and I think that's uh, something you have to consider, too. If you know, hey, look, this was a low-run machine, you're probably going to have to be willing to either get lucky or come off some more cash. That's right. Right. That's not always the case, though, because you can look at some really big-run machines that are very desirable. Mm -hmm. That bring a lot of money. Yeah,
2: Adam's family being the uh, the prime example.
0: Yeah, or Medieval Madness, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, God Almighty, they're going to make more. That's how popular the thing (laughs) is, so – I want to kind of sneak that in here, too, because we're getting ready to find out with this grand experiment, Stern's going to pump out new copies of an old machine, right, with Medieval Madness. Mm -hmm. When we're talking, like, home video games, there's not much risk that Nintendo's just going to wake up tomorrow and go, you know what, let's print some more stadium events. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's just not going to happen. But in the arcade space, who knows, right? So, That can definitely affect price,
2: right? Yeah, it could. Depends. Uh, Depends on who the buyer is. It. um, You know, collectors are still gonna want the original. I mean, you know, that's just that's the nature of the beast. I. You know, and and maybe you know you guys could answer to this, but even if let's say there's a a a little Samson reproduction made, or you know Nintendo came out made a little Samson cart. I don't think that I would be happy to have that cart. I I don't. I mean, I might pick it up until I can find an original one. But I think there's something about owning something that is original that's always going to take precedent over something that's new.
1: And, and if it
4: was still manufactured by the same company
2: to the same specs and
4: was very comparable, I don't think I'd have a problem with it.
1: Okay. I th- I think I think I'm with Rich on this one, and and it's and you know it's just. Uh, uh, we and we, we had a similar discussion when Cheetah Men was a mm-hmm. thing.
3: <laughs>
1: um and uh, and Cheetahmen is and, still a thing. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and and you know, we had, you know, people who fell on both sides of the argument with that, you know, it's it the same thing, like, you know, well it's 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 the same, you know, same original thing and it's an official release and it's the same time, like it just doesn't feel the mm-hmm. same uh to me um, even if it is all those even if all those things are facts so i think i'm kind of with rich on this one yeah and
3: you
2: have to remember with in in this case and what we're talking about the medieval madness it's not going to have the same guts it's going to be the same machine have the same modes and and everything and you know they may even add modes to it i'm not sure what they're going to do with it but it, it's not the same guts the guts are updated so it's it's different mechanics and you know that that kind of brings on a new um you know, collectability factor to it. You're going to have to have some way to distinguish the old from the new. And I I think that the upgrades, while they're going to be nice and it's going to be a great playing machine, I'm sure if Stern's making it, um, you know, I I think people still want that original feel. And I I think it's going to feel differently. Sure. I'm just just putting out that this is
0: something that you may not have to deal with when you're collecting home video games. This may be something that's maybe a little different. Um, So just things to consider that are out there. You never know. I mean, they still make, you know, like these multi-cades um, would have like the combination, you know, like the Pac-Man and all that and those all in one board. But I'm sure we'll get to some of that a little bit later. Just different things to keep in mind for sure. Now, along with rarity, right, the flip side of the other thing that drives price is desirability. So, um, you know, what, what drives desirability in these machines?
1: I think a lot of times uh, it's uh, uh, like the recognition of the game, um, especially if like you have someone who's selling games who might not be like, like for instance, like there's there's a pawn shop a couple years ago who had uh, arcade machines. Like I, I stopped by and it was like, oh, they had a Donkey Kong machine. Oh, cool. And I said, how much for this Donkey Kong machine? And it, this thing had seen, Many better days. <laughs> um, it was, you know, like when like, you know, it's kind of on the corner and like it looks like shopping carts have like
3: bashed <laughs> the,
1: like the wood al- along the base, you know, to like that nice, like rounded, uh, piece of wood with the, uh, uh, you know, with the, the, the like rubber, um, kind of edging in there. Um, and it's just gone. It's just particle board bits like all over the floor. Like it was really, really rough. Um, and it, and it worked, but it was rough. And I was like, oh, they're probably selling this thing for like between like three and five hundred dollars, right? Because it's still a Donkey Kong. And uh, they're like, oh yeah, that's fifteen hundred. <laughs> oh. oh, oh. <laughs> and I think that's what I said. And I was like, I was I I was like, okay, I know you know, you guys hear this all the time, but like, are, are you serious? Like really? And then they said, oh man, it's a Donkey Kong. And I said, no, you're right, it's a Donkey Kong. That is all you have going for <laughs> you though it's and and i said how long have you had that and they said oh it's been here for like nine months and i said yeah yeah it's gonna, that's, it's that's gonna stay there nine a whole lot months, longer dude. Yeah. yeah i said you're, you're all you're better off like setting it to uh you know 50 cents a play and <laughs> <Yeah>. uh dollars <$50 laughs> of it but yeah i i'm like for me like and desirability um so that's what i see with sellers as far as desirability like like me desiring a machine it's very similar to the console stuff. It's very much what I grew up playing or what I played in the arcades. So like, um, it's, you go back to, you know, like maybe not the golden age of arcades and pinball, like, uh, some of the, uh, uh, these slightly older gentlemen talk about, but like when <laughs> I was in the arcades <laughs> playing games, it wasn't. Uh, uh you know like all those games in the 70s like ladybug that rich was playing uh, uh all day <laughs> it was you know street fighter 2 champion edition uh, and it was uh uh you know uh uh what's it called um uh police trainer which is a game i don't think a lot of people would you know put in their top 10 for arcades but i want a police trainer machine so badly it's this awesome t- uh, light gun shoot a uh, two player light gun shooter game where like it's kind of like a point blank uh, type thing where like it's different, uh, uh like police train. It's kind of like a cross between like point blank and RoboCop. Cause it's very futuristic, but like, it's all about what I loved when I was uh, growing up. Um, so you just get on the forums and you just kind of look at what is, you know, how often does it come for sale? What's it sell for? Because you might have to spend three, four or five months, you know, before you see one or two of them go, uh, you know, start selling. So it gives you lots of time to save up.
0: What about the pinball world, Rich? What, uh, what makes machines desirable? For you?
2: Uh, it, it's different things. For a lot of people it's it's gameplay. Um It's all about the back class. <laughs> it can be. Um, you know I thought it was about the LEDs. <laughs> can be that too. But uh <laughs> yeah, a lot for a lot of people I think it's it, it's about the gameplay. Um some people it's there there are a lot of people that only buy new inbox games as soon as they come out they like you know the newness and you know being able to try something new um you know for for people like myself who collect older games for me it, it's a lot about gameplay it's a lot about artwork I, I really dig the uh, the art from the um, the early 80s and late 70s so uh, a lot of my machines really reflect um, nostalgia and games I've played plus, um, artwork and gameplay that I'm more comfortable with. I, you know, for me, I don't, I don't really play a lot. Like a lot of the newer machines, it's, they're more complex and and deeper. I understand, but I, I like the more simple rule sets and and um, you know, it's just it's really personal preference. I think is what makes a machine desirable.
0: Yeah. What about you? What about you, Krabby? What What makes you go out and say this is a machine I want to buy? For for pinball, it's. The theme is strong for me. I, mm-hmm. It really has
4: to look awesome and embody something that I really enjoy, like some kind of cool fantasy or sci-fi setting or something like that. Um, as far as arcades, uh falls more into, like, Bill. I, I grew up more playing in the, like, early 90s and mid-90s in arcades uh, when there was, you know, a few classic machines would still be kicking around in these places, but it was more stuff like Marvel superheroes or X-Men mm. or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I was growing
1: up on. So those kind
4: of things I look for in the arcades.
1: Okay. I don't, I don't have any pins, but I'm a hundred percent with you on, on pins. Like the theme to me, because I'm not really good at pinball. I don't know what makes, you know, a play field good or a good playing field. I like, Oh, that machine plays really mm-hmm. well. or That machine is so smooth. Like, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, but like, just I just want to look at a machine and just love what I'm seeing. Like a Terminator 2. I don't know why I love it. I just love looking at that machine. Like everything <laughs> looks so cool on it. And Space Invaders. Um, I don't know anything about the game or how it plays. I think that machine looks amazingly cool. There is one like three blocks from my store downtown. He will
4: not sell it. <laughs> it looks so awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the guy I mentioned earlier that I, I said I got a f- local friend that's bugging me about pinballs. He, um, he's in town briefly for another job, but he actually owns 70 pinball machines. Wow. And he operates majority of them in the Vancouver area. He's the biggest pinball operator down there. Yeah. And- he i think i frustrate him a lot because i, I i'm looking up pinball machines cuz they're still very new to me and i'm like oh look at this sweet machine i'd love to play this he's like it's horrible <laughs> he's like you, <laughs> you, you wouldn't want to play that and i'm like yeah but look at the theme and like he's i can play this for he's, he, a he's a very competitive player he he, he went to uh, pinsburg recently and placed very well uh-huh. uh, but he he only wants you know good playing machines and he can't understand how i can overlook some gameplay flaws when it's got a really cool theme
2: i think that you know, I think theme is important for a lot of people. I think as you you get into the hobby, and I and I I I can say this. I've been in the, the pinball hobby longer than 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 a lot of people. I think theme is important, and I, and I love theme, but I think gameplay kind of overtakes that as you as you kind of you know move through. Because there there are some pins, like uh, for instance. I owned a, a machine called Congo, which was based on the horrible, horrible movie Congo. <laughs> but yeah. that is one with, of the
1: with, like the Michael Crichton movie.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh wow! There's a pin. Yes, made to that? yes.
1: Was it Data
2: East made? And no, no. It's a it's a Williams. Um, okay. It has um, probably one of the ugliest back glasses you will ever find um, on a game. <laughs> but it is a fantastic playing game. Um, it, and it's oh. very desirable among the pinball community. It's, it's one of those that's just shot up in value and it's, it's been based on the gameplay. And I, I think there are several pins like that. Johnny mnemonic, you know, probably not a great movie. Uh, Bram, <laughs> oh, no,
1: gosh, no, no, <laughs> that's not, that's a, that's <laughs> <fast. laughs>
2: Bram Stoker's Dracula is one of the top pins, um, you know, at the moment. And, uh,
1: I've actually heard that one's really I good. I own one of those I got for to play a while. that one a little while ago. Yeah,
2: and um it is fun. I own a very pristine Ram Strokers and um it you know, it was it's was a great machine and and it's great playing. It just has neat features and um it it shoots up in value so theme doesn't always dictate price. It it can for it can for some people, but I think gameplay sort of as you get into the hobby sort of overrides that and uh um I just looked up that Congo black backglass, and that is awesome. <laughs> it's got a sub-play field, like an underneath play field, with a gorilla that bashes a ball back and forth. And, yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. Check it out if you get a chance.
0: Yeah, and um, yeah, I would just say, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into some of this too, but um, when we're talking pinballs, there's really two big dividing generations of pinball, right? There's the old electromechanical pinball, mm-hmm. and there's the more modern solid-state pinball machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to guess that those are probably their own worlds under themselves. Um, probably some people prefer to steer more towards one, some probably more towards the other, Mm -hmm. but, you know, and I I could see that, you know, where that could be, because I really kind of enjoy the simplicity of like those old electromechanical pinball games. Mm -hmm. Um, they're fun. They're not difficult. They're easy to pick up and play, but they're still tough. To do really well at, um, in some cases, whereas I look at some of these new pinballs and I, they're just—it's crazy the amount of stuff that's going mm-hmm. on. Everything is flashing, and I can't keep track of what on earth is going on at any point in time. So, um, and I'm sure that people feel probably completely the opposite. So, um, with all the pinballs you have, do you have a
2: mix, Rich, or do you just try to stick with one or the other? Or? I, I do. I do have a mix. Um, I. I like all sorts of pinball machines, and I know you say that you'd probably divide it into electromechanical, and then you're talking more of the solid-state machines is what you're referring yeah. to. I would say that there's probably... Uh, you could divide it into electromechanical early solid state and then later solid state, which is, which is, you know, pinball machines that had sort of the the dot matrix displays on them because I think, I think that takes it to an even further level. Um, I've owned dot matrix machines before. I I don't own them anymore. I'm sort of early solid state and I do own one um, electromechanical machine right now. Um, And I, I, I think, Over the years, and and what's happened recently, is that machines have gone up. The the hobby has gotten really popular. And so machines that, with the dot matrix displays, have jumped in price so far that people have had to kind of scale back. And they said, oh, well, let's scale back to the earlier solid-state machines and play those for a while. You know, the uh, early 90s, um, 80s machines. And so they would play those, and oh, these are fantastic. Well, the price jumped on those as well. And so people kick back once again into the electromechanical machines. And now the prices are starting to rise on some of the more popular titles there as well. So I think what's happened is through time and in the last few years is. It, people have gained a a much better appreciation for the older machines because they've been forced price-wise to move down and play these machines, and they've, they've gained more of an appreciation, and there's been sort of a resurgence in these older games, which is nice, you know?
0: Yeah, because these new games, I mean, as, as time has moved on, they've just become almost complex to the ridiculous degree, uh, at least in my uh, opinion. Yeah, check out a video point- of
2: Wizard of Oz if you want to see something ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the
0: point where it's just not fun anymore to me. Yeah. It's just, there's just too much. I can't watch a screen and watch the ball and the, you know, the seizure inducing <laughs> light display that's going on here. So you got to get a Wii
2: U and practice. <laughs> <laughs> right there. There we go. Well, pinball's gone the same way as, you know, modern technology, right? I mean, you know, as, as things upgrade in modern technology, whether it be, you know, cell phones or, you know, uh, you know, television, um, you know, pinball, like everything evolves to try to catch up and to be more appealing to younger generations. So, you know, it's the same thing. Something like that.
0: Right. I don't know. I can take my (laughs) kids and we'll sit down on my machine and they know how to play very quickly. Right. Two flipper buttons. Right. All the targets are very visible easy to figure out what you're supposed mm-hmm. to do you go to some of these newer machines they lose in two seconds and they don't know what on earth is going on you know it's not much fun to them yeah. but you know hey that's my two cents so all right kind of going back then let's take a little look uh, all right so you've decided all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go buy a game an arcade or a pin i've done my research i've looked up i kind of have an idea about price uh, i know what kind of sort of stuff i want to go for Okay, now I'm going out on location to take a look. What are the kind of things that that purchasers should be out there looking at? So, Krabby, tell me, you're going out, you're looking at arcade machines, you're looking at some pinballs. What, um, you, you, like you said, Julie, you come in, to take a look, you say, oh, well, maybe I've got to knock the price down. What What's driving that? What are you looking at? I'll, I'll let
4: Rich cover the the pinballs more than that. I'll do the arcade side. But uh, the the first part is, you know, they got these big, awesome sides that usually have some really sweet side art. Mm-hmm. If that is scraped, scuffed, you know, missing pieces, you know, that's a big, big problem right there. The, the art is a big feature on the machine. So the, the worse it looks, um, same goes for the marquee or the controller overlay, especially the controller overlay, because if these things were operated in, bars or restaurants you're gonna people putting drinks down sometimes putting cigarettes out on them you're gonna have kids with sticky fingers and putting like a pizza without a plate on them like they they get all sorts of stuff put on them over the years so um they can really damage them a lot um monitors are a big pain so any burn-in or broken monitors are you can discount a lot for those um, things like buttons and stuff, you know, you can use those to your negotiating advantage, even though they're, they're pretty easy to fix, put in a new micro switch, put in some more buttons, a uh, joysticks simple to do, but most people don't know that. So if you have a guy that won't walk left, maybe it just needs a new micro switch. It's going to cost you a buck 50 plus shipping, but the, the guy you're buying it from doesn't know that. So you can knock, you know, 50 to a hundred off for something like that. Yep.
0: Okay. All right. Um, now, Bill, you, you know when you were out looking, you say you you drive out. I'm gonna go. I've I've to look at this play choice machine. So, what were some of the things that you're running through in your mind after doing your homework on this?
1: Um, it's similar to crab. It's uh, uh, if if the colors don't look right, um, that you know it, it's hard to tell what can be you know what's just like the age of the monitor or what's been faded out or what might could be adjusted um just with uh, the onboard settings or by replay they call it uh, recapping a monitor uh so uh, you'll if you end up picking up a, a machine at some point um this is one of the first things you'll hear about uh so capacitors those small uh cylindrical uh electrolytic uh capacitors that are all over any circuit board you have probably ever seen um they're in a lot of these machines are 30 40 years old um so they they dry out they don't they lose their capacitance um, and they're very, very cheap. You can actually buy, oh, it's called a cap kit, depending on the monitor you have. There's many places you can find these on the forums, on you know, uh, Twisted Quarter, some of the uh, other parts sites. So I kind of went in looking at the monitors, trying to think, okay, like if the monitors are any kind of you know not nice looking, I'm just gonna have to factor in, you know, not, and not just the uh, the price of the uh, caps, but it's, it's work that you've got to do. So like like Krabi said, like you know, if, you, if you look at a monitor and you say, oh, well, yeah, I mean, the color looks like it's not, you know, it, it, it could use some work. The monitor's looking to need recapping. If you see any, like, major defects uh, in the screen, like if the monitor won't turn on, um, usually, like, I'll, like, I would probably offer the same as if the machine did not have a monitor in it, um, just because you could probably fix that with a little bit of labor. Um, but you might, it might be something major that you won't be able to fix. Uh, so for me, I kind of had all these things like that. I was like, okay, I know about recapping the monitor. I know about the flyback. I know about, you know, like, uh, you know, like rot inside, like, in- and look inside the cabinet. Cause it could be nice on the outside. Oh, so yeah. I like, Kept it nice. <laughs> and then you get inside and you're like, this is where the rats are living. <laughs> so, so, um, I, I knew all these things. Okay. Look inside. Uh, like all this stuff. So we get there and I look at the machine and it looks great. And the color on the monitors is great. And there's no burn in. And the marquee is beautiful. And the side art, it's not peeled or anything. It's not faded. Uh, and then he pulled it out and he, and he opened it up and he showed me how you change the games out of it. And everything inside looked good. And there was like the manual <laughs> and there were spare parts. Nice. So I was like, oh, like I was glad that I had all this stuff, but I was like, it really just, you know, there weren't any real super issues with it. And it wasn't like a steal, but it was a decent price because he was trying to move it. Sure. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you you kind of once you I, I really feel like once you get a machine and start doing that research on it and start working on it, like the, the first machine you buy, you know, it could be hit or miss. But like the second or third machine you buy, especially if you take a few months to kind of learn the machines and how they work. Um, it doesn't take long to kind of know the main points you're looking for, but like Krabby said, it's, it's monitor, uh, it's condition, it's uh wear and tear. It's anything you can point to that it's like, Oh, I'm going to have to fix that. A watch for um, because
4: on boards too. Um, some of them literally had like batteries in them, like double A's and stuff. So mm. if they've left the same
1: batteries in there for 20 years and they've corroded onto the board, that's a, a big thing to watch for too.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and one thing that, uh, that you look for is like when a machine, like if someone let's say someone's selling a machine, it's like, Oh, it's a hundred dollars or less. Like it, the thing doesn't even turn on. Um, one of the most common points of failure is the power supply uh, on these things and power supplies, apparently in arcade machines, um, they're not using like the equivalent of like what's like a PC power, like a desktop power supply today, which is like, you know, 50, 80, hundred, $200 a unit. These are like $15 power supply (laughs) units that were just drilled onto the inside of the the thing there. So, um, a lot of times, like, it's just, it's, it's worth taking a risk for like a a small amount of money. Um, I've heard more stories on forums of people bringing machines home that just would not power on at the seller's uh, place. They take a multimeter to the power supply when it's plugged into the wall, and there's like, well, there's nothing coming through the power supply. You remove four screws, screw a new power supply in connect all the wires, plug it back in, everything's perfect. Um, that, that's a really, really common point of failure is the uh, uh, original power supply in a lot of these old machines.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, uh, Rich will talk about pinballs in a minute, but I think the thing that really everybody should keep in mind with these types of machines is that they were built, they were designed to be extremely serviceable when they're out there on location because that's the idea. They're there to make money. When it's When it's not working, you're not making money. Off the machine, so they are designed by nature to be very serviceable by somebody that doesn't have some degree in electronics, right? It, it's some basic skills you can go in and you can you can do this sort of work. So, so tell me, Richie, so you're going out. Obviously, you're looking at a lot of pinballs. So, what are you
2: what are you watching for? Well, I just want to kind of bring up a, a quick point before I go and look at a machine. I usually do a lot of research online. Uh, I want to, you know, look at the machine and like I said before, kind of look at pictures. If, if someone's, I usually have someone provide me pictures of the machine, usually want to see if things match up, um, you know, online with how the machine's supposed to look. Um, and that can, you know, give you some negotiating power. And I also like to research parts and things like that, depending on, you know, kind of how nice I want the machine to end up being. Um, when I'm, when I'm out there, I usually look, you know, does it play, um, you know, how does it play if it's playing? Um, you know, does it turn on? Um, unlike arcade machines, pinball machine power supplies rarely go bad. Um, it's one of the things that hardly ever goes bad on a pinball machine. Um, and you know, don't know what the difference. I know they're, you know, a lot more heavy duty than, you know, what you would find in an arcade machine. So I assume that's the reason. Um, echoing what they said about before with batteries. One of the big problems with pinball machines is that people leave these batteries on the boards, and usually you know the batteries are just plopped into a little case that's right on the board and they end up puking and so acid just usually gets on the board um If that happens, you can try to neutralize it, but you always when you look at something like a pinball machine, something that expensive. You always want to use that as a bargaining, negotiating tool, and you always want to think the worst. You never want to say, oh, well, this will clean right up. I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, you always want to expect the worst out of something like that. Um, I, I listen for sounds. A lot of pinball machines will have a little button inside uh, behind the back glass on the board where you can you can punch the button and it'll go through the sounds. Um, sometimes if the machine's not making certain sounds during play, that's just sort of a Um, a repinning issue where you just have to um, repin the connectors, which is not a big deal and pretty easy to do. You can teach yourself how to do it. Um, I always make sure when I go look at a machine that I, I take the glass out uh, and then use my finger, start a game and then go over all the switches to see if they're scoring. If something's not scoring, um, usually it's, it's a fairly easy fix usually, but again, it's a, it's a bargaining tool is something that you can, you know, get off the game. Um, and, and another thing I like to do is I like to lift the play field up and look behind the back glass and look for any sort of wire hacks. Um, even if you don't know a lot about a machine, you can always tell when wires have been hacked. And look for electrical tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, look, look for bad electrical tape, poor soldering. Um, you know, it it's going to stand out if it's been hacked, and that is a huge bargaining tool. But, uh, uh, the thing I'll say is that the with, with these types of machines, whether it be pinball, arcade machines, um, really the more you repair and the more repairs you do, the more you're going to know about troubleshooting. And when you go look at machines, you're going to know what the possible issues might be and how expensive that fix is going to be.
0: I think those are all, you know, really good points is just test and i would probably say i'm going to guess Rich. i'm asking sure. but I'm, i would probably guess that on these newer machines that are electronic mm-hmm. they probably most of them have like a test mode so you should probably know how to get into
2: that test mode when you when you go to the machine absolutely right? running it through the test mode um I, I don't i don't buy a lot of newer machines these days but e- even some of the earlier solid state machines have test modes and um but like you said with the newer machines they're they test everything pretty much and um You can also, on machines that have the dot matrix displays, they have these little things called credit dots. Are you familiar with those? Mm -mm. Okay. Um, What it'll be is if you look at the machine and it says credits on it and it tells you how many credits are there, you'll see a little, a tiny dot, like a little blip. And that's called a credit dot. And what that means is that there's an error on that machine somewhere. Huh. And so that is a, that's a great bargaining tool. One that I'd... Not thought about, but with newer machines, um, that little credit dot, you could say, well, obviously there's a credit dot. Do you know what's wrong with it? And you can run it through diagnostics, and often the machine will tell you what's going on. So,
0: oh, interesting mm-hmm. stuff.
2: Yeah, but these are yeah, like everybody's saying, these are all really good
0: tools. These are the things you got to keep in mind um, because uh, you know you're there. You may not get another shot if you walk out the door. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah, there might be a guy waiting right behind you to come in and pick that thing up. So, a lot of times you're going to need to be able to do your work right there on the spot, make a decision, and either make a purchase or walk. Uh, it's it's not going to be like in and out of some places, you know. It's not going to be like going to the usual like retro game store where it might be there, you know, mm-hmm. for two months or something. Even if you you don't. Know
4: 100% what you're talking about, too. Try and act as confident as you can. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Because I'm sure probably they usually know very little. Yeah,
4: I I BS'd my way through a few uh, negotiations (laughs) and and got the price down a little bit just because, you know, especially now that I've got the game store, I'm, you know, the game guy, I'm supposed to know everything. Right. So I I go in there knowing very little. I I don't do all my research like Rich does and I just kind of hack my way
2: through it. Yeah, I guess you can wing it. Yeah, I would say know what you're talking about, act like you know what you're talking about, and you know maybe mention that you you work on the machines yourself, but but don't go in there and act like you're a reseller. You know, don't don't oh, don't yeah, make yeah. them feel you like you're going to be buying this machine to maybe fix up and resell, even if that's your intention. It's going in your basement. Right? Oh, you've been looking yeah. this for this machine forever, right? Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find with the store too. Um, a lot of people seem. Happy to to move their machines if they know they're going to be enjoyed by other people, even if it's in the store setting, not uh-huh. home. I'll, like, I'll tell them, I'm going to fix it up, you know, and then we'll have, you know, the 10-year-olds coming in and play it when they come in with their parents. And they seem quite happy Absolutely. with
0: that. Well, that's why everybody's going to sell me at stadium events, because I had it as a kid and it was my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sell you a stadium. event. Sure. Right. (laughs) Won't be cheap though. (laughs) Uh, All right. So let's say you've gone out there, you've, you've done your homework, you, you win it and it, for what you got a good deal, whatever the case is, you bought it. All right. So now it's your, your turn to figure (laughs) out a, how to get the heck out of that place, wherever it's at, uh, and B, how to get it home. So you got to be prepared. So let's, let's start back. Let's, let's keep with pinballs for a minute. So, these things are, are really big. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what do you need to come prepared to do if you're going to buy that pinball and you need to cart it out of that person's house?
2: Well, I, I think an important thing, again, is sort of to do the research and know a little bit about it. Um, different pinball machines will, will dictate modes of transportation. Um, I, I had an SUV, and that's what I used to transport my pinball machines in. Um, a lot of the reason that uh, some of the newer machines and uh, some of the early st- – uh, solid state machines have hinges where the back box or the head uh, folds down on, to top, on top of the machine. And so that makes it really easy for transport. You always, always want to remove the legs. Never transport a pinball machine <laughs> in the back of the truck with the legs on it. There are so many horror stories about people going down the highway and those things going over the side. So oh please, gosh, yeah. please take, take the legs off. It's, it's, it's very some simple. Bolts. It's, just, yeah, it's just, it's some eight bolts. bolts. Um, yeah. Yeah. So please <laughs> take those off. <laughs> uh, but, um, with the, the older EM machines and some of the earlier solid states, you will have to take the head completely off. They're just basically held together, um, by bolts that are screwed down into the cabinet. Um, and you'll have to remove some wiring. So I uh, uh, I would say it's, it's usually not bad, especially if you've done it before. Um, with the older EMs, it's more the wiring is attached with Bakelite, and you have to really gently wiggle that stuff out. Um, but one one really good tool is your camera phone. Take that with you. If you're pulling anything off, take pictures as you're taking it off. And that's just a, a really great way to be able to... Um, you know, be able to put it back together again. So that's just something I would advise. Um,
0: yeah. And I'm going to guess that there might be people that's listening that may not know exactly what Bakelite is, but that's uh, very, uh, very early plastics, mm-hmm, right? Very, right. very brittle. Old. Yes. It's way before people really got a good handle on making plastics.
4: Yeah. Yep. Now, now, Rich, what if, what if you're buying a machine and you don't have a key or a way to take the, uh, the head
2: off of it? How do you transport it safely with the head still attached? Well, you know, I, one of the questions I always ask when I call someone or talk to someone is, do you have the key or are you able to get in the machine? And sometimes you're not able to, so what you have to do is you have to bring a drill and you have to drill the locks out. And so I've done that on several occasions. I've even broken uh, drill bits of people selling the machine to me. <laughs> broken. I've broken their <laughs> drill bits before. <laughs> you,
1: and then, and then you look at them and you said, "If you this have wouldn't to have be, happened, I wouldn't have had <laughs> exactly, <your> drill
2: drill. <laughs> exactly." But you know, most people selling are are really nice and you know, no problems. But if you if you have to transport with the head on it, I would say that's you know, with the head up. If it's bolted down, that's fine. Um. You're not going to have any problems doing it that way. But again, you, you really want to take the legs off because, you know, that's going to create an imbalance where it could fall off your truck and, um, you know, not only tear up the machine, but, you know, possibly injure someone else. You know, you don't want to be liable for that. So, uh, but leaving the head on is fine if you have a truck.
0: Now, do you recommend, like, um, I've heard people say this, and I when I transport mine, I made sure to take the pinballs out of the machine mm-hmm. when I was transporting it.
2: Taking pinballs out is always a great idea. With some of the newer machines, they have locking mechanisms underneath, and the and the balls are secure. They're not going to go anywhere. But the standard rule of thumb is to take the balls out because they're not, uh, if it gets turned or they fly out, they could bang up against plastics, chip things, you know, in the machine, and, uh, you know, and, you know, really do some damage to your machine. So it's it's always a good rule of thumb to take those out. Um when I go on location to pick up a machine, I always take lots of blankets just because you want to have something to cover it up. If you're if you're folding down the head of the machine, you're going to want to have something to rest that the glass on um, as you're folding the head down. Um, I use ratcheting straps to to um, secure the head to the body. Uh, I take a few bungee straps just in case I need those to you know rearrange it around the back of the truck or SUV. Um, and I um, always have a 9 uh, 16 and a 5 8 ratchet set uh, because those are the two most common for the legs and for the back box. Uh, rarely do you need any other ratchet sizes or anything like that. But, it, you know, it never hurts to take a nice little set with you just in case.
0: And I will say, too, I mean, when I first heard about drilling a lock, my brain went like, oh, this is going to be hard. But my machine didn't have the keys. And I mean, it's actually kind of fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just, don't let that scare you.
2: Yeah, just drill straight. Just make sure you have a a bit that's big enough to uh, clean out the lock and uh, drill the, through the pins. Um, if you don't have the right size the first time, you know you can just adjust and and get a larger size. But uh, yeah, you you just you want to go through, but you don't want to go through too hard because you never know what's behind that lock. You know, you just want to take it slow and easy, and don't wiggle the bit up and down. That's how I've I've broken a few. So.
0: That's uh, so pinballs, good tips. So Krabby, you've gone in, you've you've bought twenty
3: twenty arcade machines.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how how do you get those things moving?
4: Uh, I got lucky with those because the restoration company had a tall trailer, so they actually had all of the machines standing up in the trailer, and they wheeled them right to my storage locker, and we just kind of walked them out. Well, that's amazing. Wow. Okay. But yeah. In, that, that in, in in real life, what do you, what do you in real life, if everything is attached like it's supposed to be, the monitor's mounted properly, the board's mounted properly, you can lay most machines down if you need to like, slide them into an SUV or van that's covered. Um, a lot of machines will, will come apart in some way if they're bigger, like the Turtles machine I have and the Gauntlet machine have an extra wide control panel for the four players that won't fit through a door frame there's little hinges inside you can pop open unhook all the wiring and that should pop right off. You can carry it separately and then the rush should fit through the door like it's supposed to.
3: Hmm.
4: Um, so most from my understanding, most machines that are, that are bigger than a standard door frame will come apart in some fashion so they can supposedly fit through a standard door frame. I'm sure there's some exceptions to that, but so far most of the ones I've dealt with have come apart nicely. Um, like I said, if everything's mounted right too, like you don't have to be super picky with how you lay it down too. You can lay it on your side. you can lay it on its back, however it'll fit if everything's secured like it should be, it'll be a safe ride. Um, one machine that I've had a huge problem transporting is one of the the like seated racing games. oh yeah mm-hmm. um, the the one that I have is uh, Sega GT, and the it's got two two games together, two seated cars, two monitors, and a huge marquee that attaches them both. So the marquee comes off, and then the machines separate, and mm-hmm. then that's it. You you can't take the seat off of the monitor or shrink it down anymore. Oh boy! And they are heavy. <laughs> when we we bought like some aluminum ramps from like a Canadian Tire type place up here. And we were hauling one of the machines up there, me and one friend, just the two of us. We had it about three quarters of the way up the aluminum ramps and the aluminum ramps broke. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Uh. So, we had to get them down and then we ended up calling professional movers to, to move those ones for me. Oh, wow. And we they almost stayed on the sidewalk all night. We were so frustrated trying to get them into my store. We had to take off like the the plastic side art. And then underneath the plastic side art is um, some wooden boards that are in there so that the plastic side art doesn't get crunched in. Uh And they are stapled and glued into there. So we had to pry all those out. Oh, wow. And then it just barely eked through the door. And then we, you know, we got to put all that stuff back on it after so it looks nice. And these things are like 200 pounds each, too. So they were not fun to move. (laughs) Um, most machines weren 't that bad, you could do them with two guys uh One exception was the gauntlet machine. They used really, really heavy wood to uh to make that cabinet instead of the usual kind of cheaper kind of particle boards type stuff mm-hmm. and we had the at the the pool hall that I bought that from the, one of the guys working there was over seven feet tall, and we had him helping us load it in, and we still almost couldn 't do it with three people. It was so heavy Wow. It's not a fun one to move <laughs> Yeah, take care on your back too, right? Oh yeah, uh, make sure when you're moving arcades Always bring a dolly with you It'll save you a ton Especially if you can get one of those ones that's made to climb up and down stairs mm-hmm. Even if you've only got one or two bumps to go over It is a huge help Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have yeah
2: one to two friends with you too Because lifting it is not fun And preferably like the, re- the refrigerator or appliance dollies They have the strap already on them those, those are yes. a lifesaver. Yeah. And, and you can actually, a lot of people don't know this, but um, the back of a pinball machine actually has little um, uh, plastic uh, disc where, you, where actually pinball machines are actually meant to stand up. So you can actually use a dolly to transport those. Just just make sure you get your head strapped tight to uh, uh, the, the cabinet and you're good to go.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So obviously these things are huge. They're interesting. If you've yeah. got to uh, to move them around, certainly. Yeah,
4: if you if you're moving them in an open truck, too, I'd suggest just bringing a tarp or a blanket to wrap them in, so you don't have you know splattered bl- bugs all over them on the way home. <laughs> right,
0: there you go. <laughs> Depending on the time of year, right? So um, let's talk then. All right. So um, you finally you've got this thing home. It's time to work on it. Let's talk about some of the basic equipment or tools. What are these things that you need to actually start digging in, working on, and repairing these things? What are some recommendations? So, uh, so Krabby, you know, what are the kind of tools that you're 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 using for these?
4: Uh, Rich already mentioned ratchets, very very helpful, even on arcade machines. Uh, most of them just have standard screws in them, to um, Phillips or Robertson's uh, in the back to like open up the back panel where you can get into everything. Uh, Once you're in there, you're definitely going to want a flashlight. Um, You're going to want probably a can of air to uh, just clean out whatever dust has been building in there. Uh, Bill mentioned soldering iron. You're you're definitely going to need that if you have to do any repairs. Um, Multimeter, very helpful in uh, diagnosing it. Beyond that, it's just kind of case by case, uh, whatever you... Come across that you need for that specific item. Those are kind of my in my usual toolbox. I think.
0: Okay.
2: What about what about pinball? Any other things that we need on that side? I think I think Krabby covered a lot of it there. And, you know, with the sockets, the multimeter, uh, soldering iron. Um, and maybe um, especially for the flippers, a lot of times you need Allen wrenches. Uh, so a, a small Allen wrench kit is always nice. Usually standard. Um, there, there's some uh, specialty tools that you that you can get and that you might purchase along the way. One of those I mentioned earlier was a crimping tool, which is, um, which is a tool used to basically, uh, cramp down, uh, the pins, uh, when you're, uh, repinning your connectors. Um, that, that is a lifesaver as far as a tool and, um, can really help you, uh, get back sounds or, uh, different modes and things that probably aren't working on your machine. Um, Another tool that I like to have just because I like to go a little step further as far as restoring is a tumbler it's a it's a metal tumbler parts tumbler and what these are typically used for you find them at um, um like a um, a hunting or fishing stores and typically what they're used for is to put casings bullet casings in and tumble them to get them clean for people who reload their own shells uh but a lot of pinball people what we'll do is we'll take any metal parts, old screws, anything we pull off the machine and we'll put them in the tumbler uh with a specific medium and uh tumble them for a few days and they come out looking shiny and new it's uh it's just a great just a great product and something a lot of people use well,
0: that's interesting mm-hmm. now what would you say about um, like a switch adjustment tool something like that do you have one or do you just kind of use
2: just do it yourself I kinda do it myself. It's something that I'd need to purchase. Um if you're if you're using um or or if you have an electromechanical machine, of course, you're gonna have a lot more switches than what you're gonna have with an with an electronic machine. Um so I, I think it is a is a great tool to have because you, you want your switches to be a certain um length apart. Um uh, some people don't recommend this, but I like to use a little piece of sandpaper in between the switches. Um, If something's not making good contact. So having a little um, uh, high-grade, you know, very fine sandpaper is kind of nice to have around as well for switches.
0: Okay, good, good. Bill, anything you would throw in there about um, the tools and things that you keep around?
1: Uh, Krabby hit a lot of them. The only thing I didn't hear him say is a monitor discharge tool. Oh, Oh, yeah. So um, there's uh, two main types of monitors uh, that you're going to find in uh, uh, arcade machines. Um, there's your raster monitors and your vector monitors. Those familiar with the Vectrex uh, will know what a vector monitor is. Um, it's very, very important that you don't use a monitor. This type of monitor discharge tool on a vector monitor because um, they work completely differently, and you could destroy your monitor or yourself. <laughs> yes, um, but for but for the vast majority of monitors out there, if it's a raster uh, type monitor, um, you're going to want to get a large flat handle uh, screwdriver, um, and like a pretty heavy uh, uh, gauge wire. Um, and uh, what you want to do is you want to uh, you know kind of wrap that wire or solder that wire if if you're able to, to kind of like the like the base of the metal, kind of where it meets the insulation of uh, the handle where you're going to hold it. Um, and then the other side of that wire, and it can be, you know, a couple feet long, maybe a little bit longer. Um, you want to connect like an alligator clip to it. Um, every time, so monitors can hold large amounts of voltage. So what you want to do is just clip, and there's, there's YouTube videos, a, a billion people can show you how to do this. Basically, you clip the, uh, alligator clip to the, um, uh, like the chassis that kind of holds the, uh, or sorry, the frame of the monitor. They call the the PCB of the monitor the chassis, so I don't want to confuse anybody. So the frame, any any metal part of the frame of the machine that's grounded, and then there's a suction cup that kind of covers uh the uh, the electricity that will kill you. <laughs> um, little suction cups, so you just kind of like shimmy this uh, uh you know after you've unplugged the machine, obviously you kind of shimmy this screwdriver under there. Until you touch the little metal connector holding the screwdriver in there, and depending on how long the machine's been unplugged or how much electricity it has stores stored that you're discharging, you'll either hear nothing to like a, a distinctive pop. And what you've done is you've just taken all the electricity inside the monitor and discharged it to uh, uh you know to, to ground. Um, I've actually every time I've worked on my machine and I had to do this, um, I've unplugged the machine for like two or three days before I do it. That's not always possible, especially if something breaks like while you're working on it and you have friends over and you want to maybe work on something. Um, so you always, 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 always should discharge a monitor. Even if you're not working on a monitor, if you're just going to be tinkering inside a machine near, you know, those monitor connections, especially like on the monitor chassis, um, you, you can buy monitor discharge tools, but it's, they're so, so, so easy to make. I would just make one.
0: Yeah. Cause we're talking can kill you. <laughs> right as you've mentioned,
1: yes. Uh, yes, and 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 there are people who say you know it's surprising how many people in the hobby have been you know hit by one of these uh, shocks, um, and more often than not they uh, uh, like I've I've heard stories of like you know well I thought I discharged the monitor <laughs> or like I I guess I discharged it but there was still some lingering electricity in there and what I'll hear more often than not is uh, like someone you'll they'll discharge the monitor and then okay it's good and then they'll pick up they'll you know they're removing the monitor from the cabinet and the glass is facing their chest and you know somehow like you know they they're as they're carrying the monitor some electricity escapes it or they touch the right part of the frame or they touch the frame at the same time they're touching the part of the chassis and it just it just hits you and like they say like uh it's it's not if if the shock's not gonna be lethal i mean yeah it's gonna be uncomfortable but it's not so much the shock it's the damage that you do to your machine when you are shocked (laughs) so it's it's dropping your monitor or like it's like if you're reaching in your machine to try to hit a little screw and you get a little shock that's gonna your arm is gonna jolt and you might you know dig your screwdriver right through the like you know right onto the board or you know like scratch a chip or like something like that yeah um so yeah it's just one of those things like it's you know, the more time you spend around it, the more you probably get comfortable with it. But it's still really good to have a healthy fear of the electricity that's in these machines. Um, and uh, we already talked about working with power supplies, but the the metal screws on power supplies, uh, if the machine's plugged into the wall, two of those metal uh, terminals are the equivalent of sticking your fingers into the electrical <laughs> socket. Because. Because <laughs> that's all it is. Those poles in the socket are connected to two of those uh, spots right there. So it's that's another thing is uh, if you're, if you're gonna get bit, it's gonna be there because you're not even thinking about it, and the machine's plugged in, and it's like, oh, I literally just stuck two knives in an electrical outlet.
3: <laughs> yeah, words so, to the wise.
1: So yeah, I mean, and that was and like. I was actually going to work on the machine. The first time I was going to recap my monitors, which is the worst thing in the world to do on uh, the Sharp uh, monitors that Nintendo insisted on using in their machines. Um, my my wife was like in Rhode Island for the weekend, and I told her, I was, like, "Yeah, I'm going to work on the machine." And she's like, "You can't work on the machine. Like, what if you get like shocked and no one's there to like save you?" So, she, ma- she like, had me discharge the monitors and pull them out of the cabinet, like, while she was there as, like, the standby EMT. <laughs>
3: Clear, <laughs> right?
1: Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, And she didn't really, I don't know what she would have done had anything happened because she has no experience, but uh, all is well. Yeah, 911,
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, good. All right. Well, that's, that's a pretty good idea of, you know, kind of the stuff that you need to make sure. All right, well, I'm getting started and and there's some tips. So, very good stuff. All right, so you've got the tools, you're ready, and you're going to dig in a little bit. So, I mean, obviously there's a a lot that goes into servicing these machines, and of course we can't get in and answer every single problem, but let's talk about just maybe a couple things that are important things to check over uh, before you get too busy, because I know uh, a lot of times you want to make sure that um, if there may be some damage, you, you don't want to make anything worse, A, right? <laughs> and and right. B, maybe you want to try to find out if there's issues and how you can deal with them. So um, I'm kind of curious. I know, uh, Krabby, you've been dealing with working on some some machines here lately because I, yeah. I hear you <laughs> looking for pictures and things. But um, So what we're kind of like, okay, I'm going to make sure I do these steps. Usually the controls almost always have problems,
4: and I found often it's like Rich said, people trying to fix them themselves. So you'll <laughs> you'll notice weird wiring. Uh, some jack that I bought this Tetris machine <laughs> from soldered every single wire to the micro switches. Oh wow! Yeah, instead of just putting the little crimp things on there, so I got to desolder them all and and recrimp them.
1: So that's that's makes it more of a pain to work on. That's a blessing in disguise though, because you'll get really good at <laughs> desoldering.
4: I already do a lot of desoldering with the stupid Game Boy battery replacements. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Pokemon silver and gold. <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's the biggest one that I always have to, to deal with. And like Bill also mentioned, uh power supplies. Those go very often and they're they're not bad to replace, so that's that's a nice one when that's all its problem.
0: Good, good. Uh, what about uh, pinballs?
2: Well, I guess the thing you're you're always hoping for, and you always have your fingers crossed about is if something's not working, you're always hoping. I hope it's a fuse. Fuses are such a big part <laughs> of pinball machines. I I actually keep a tackle box of different size fuses, um, and uh, a lot of times just replacing a fuse will fix the problems you have. Um, I guess, I guess big problems with pinball machines, um, unless it's, if it's not the boards, um, it'll have to be something mechanical. A lot of times, uh, people have problems with flippers and those are easy to rebuild. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of look at those and kind of get into the mechanics of fixing those. Um, you know, most of the maintenance that, that I do to machines is, preventative maintenance you know i'm i'm looking to pick up a machine i'm looking to do small things more inexpensive things to um you know um create more longevity in a machine
0: i learned that mantra when i was doing all my homework and stuff when i first bought a pinball because i mean when i brought the thing home um after i figured out it would power up i was basically i'm not even going to try to play it i'm not going to do anything i'm going to do my homework Make sure I know on earth I'm, you know, doing. I don't want to screw anything mm-hmm. up because, you know, I've never owned one of these things before. And so, you know, I'm reading through and and, and they're saying that, you know, it's – you should probably go in and A, if they're old pinballs, replace the pinballs because if they're chipped or something,
2: they could screw something Absolutely. up or chew up your board or something. That's uh, one of the things I always do. I've got a list of things that I always do, and that's – that is one of the top things.
0: Yeah, because they're cheap. Right? Absolutely. I mean, they're, why wouldn't you? Just, um, there's a big ball bearing, so you just, you replace the things. Um, and then they talk about, you know, like, um, before you're really doing anything, really clean mm-hmm. the play field really well and, and wax. It, absolutely. You know, so that way you, again, keep it clean and you won't damage anything, you know, in case there's already some. You don't want to make it worse, mm-hmm. but you want to try to keep that thing pristine as long as you can. absolutely, um, And like you said, with fuses and also, um, you know, there's some other little things that you can do, too, like, you know, just... How to check your lights. I mean, obviously that's pretty straightforward. But you know, you want you can check your lights. And you know, I had to learn, okay, where are they at? How do I get to all these things? What kind of lights do I have to buy? And um, and then the good news is, you know, there's a lot of resources that are out there. It's not, it's not terribly tricky. No, uh, once you get in there,
2: you're never on your own. There's plenty of parts places uh, to shop at to to buy things, to fix your machines. And there's also great resources as far as forums. There's always people that are willing to help you in any problem you have. They're willing to see you through it. I think there's especially, I can speak for the pinball hobby, there's a lot of people out there that get as much enjoyment in working on these machines as in playing them. And they're always happy to help. So, Absolutely.
0: Alright, so um, yeah, I would just say do your homework. Do the research that's out there. Learn what the issues are. You can these are things again that are designed to be very serviceable so you can do this right this is not something that's terrifying or scary or whatnot absolutely um there's probably a few things to know um i'm a good guess maybe in the pinball world but i definitely know with arcades right there are certain standards for the game so there's i know i've heard of things like jamma and whatnot Mm
3: -hmm.
0: let's talk about some of those things to know in terms of arcade machines so you're D- different makers have different things. So, so Bill, Nintendo is kind of its own thing out there, right?
1: Yeah, they're one of the uh, they're one of the companies who decided to kind of go proprietary. Um, when when a lot of machines uh, first started being built, um, manufacturers were all you know kind of designing boards from scratch and just kind of like revising them when new games came out and uh, you know redesigning them, and it meant that you know when a game. You know, when when, an arcade operator was done with a game, they'd have to sell the game or, you know, like buy a new game. Um, So all the uh, Japanese manufacturers got together and JAMA, uh, it's just uh, 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 the the Japanese uh, amusement manufacturer, uh, sorry, amusement machine uh, manufacturer association, I believe it is. Um, So it's, The, the prominent Japanese standout, uh, that is not in that group is Nintendo. (laughs) They, of course, they they made their, they made their own stuff their own way. Um, and did some weird things with like the way they did their monitors, like the colors inverted. So you can use a non, you know, sharp or Sanyo Nintendo monitor, but you have to like get another part in between there. Um, but, uh, anyway, so Nintendo is one of those things that like there's almost always a Nintendo version of a part. Um, their power supplies, they didn't use... Like, you know, we have 120 volts in this country. Um, they used 100-volt uh, power supplies. Um, so there had to be, like, an inverter in between them. So, like, Nintendo machines always have, like, an asterisk, you know, uh, next to anything <laughs> they do. Um, but JAMA is a really, really important standard to know because it... it That's just exactly what like it did. It standardized the board layout uh, so that the pins were all the same for all these uh, games that were on Jamma. So basically what it meant for arcade operators was that they didn't have to junk a whole machine. They could pull a board out, stick a new board in. Um, they might have to drill some holes for some new buttons, depending on the configuration of the new game, but they could just swap a board out. Um, so, uh, uh, it's really cool for people who only maybe have room for like one or two machines to know which games they want. And if those games are the same standard, like JAMA, because you can just get one cabinet. And three or four Jamba boards, as long as your control scheme kind of supports it. Uh, one of the most popular uh, examples of this is uh, people who uh, want a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, uh, as well as an X Men game, or maybe a Simpsons game. Like these are all kind of like you know four player, well, yeah. up to four Captain players. Captain America, to say. Sunset Riders. Yep. There's a lot of good yep, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's a ton. So if you have a cabinet like an X Men or like a, a, a Ninja Turtles. Um, the only, the only caveat with Ninja Turtles is there's only two buttons, and a lot of these games have three buttons. So you're either going to have to drill an extra hole, um, or, you know, use a different cabinet. Like X-Men's got the three buttons. Um, but if you find that one cabinet that you love the artwork on more than anything else, you can just, you know, buy boards from people. Uh, you know, whether it's, you're less likely to find these locally, more likely it's going to be like on Clav or on an arcade forum someplace or, you know, from a contact that you can trade with. Um, but knowing the boards and the standards that'll work on which cabinets uh, can can help you kind of maximize your space.
0: Yeah, and along with that is um, something that's often referred to as the super gun, right?
1: Super guns are awesome. Uh, Lance from uh, Retroware uh, TV was at a, uh, a YouTube channel was at a uh, uh, event at retro games that I went to I think, like a year ago. And it was the first time I saw a super gun in person and he had just made it because uh, you can buy them from multiple, you know, different sources. So for those who don't know, a super gun is basically like an arcade or like a JAMA uh, machine, like in a box. Um, So basically it's, it's, it's a lot of people call it like a JAMA test kit. Um Basically it's, you've taken the guts of the arcade and you've made it portable. So you kind of got like a self-contained uh like power supply uh the uh like the wiring harness which is what they call like all the the wires that connect like the player controls and the uh, like the power supply connections and the the game board uh card connectors and it's something that you can just set down on a table plug your homemade arcade stick or you know whatever custom control setup you've got plug a jam board into it and now you can play you know Marvel Capcom on your television like the arcade version um, so super guns are really, really pretty cool. And if, uh, if you get really into the hobby and you're a do it yourself or you can make one yourself with uh, not a whole lot of parts.
0: Sure, and that sort of same thing goes along with constructing your own cabinet. Or sometimes you can just buy a cabinet shell um, that, again, as long as it's like JAMA compliant or whatnot, you just add your board later,
1: right? So Yeah, building a, building a cabinet is one of those things that I've like always wanted to do. And it's, and every time I sit down and like look at how much work it actually is, <laughs> yeah, right? Like it probably would be fun, and even if you stretched it out over a couple of years and you worked on it like here, or there, you know, months or whatever, worked on it a little bit here and there, it'd be cool. But I mean, the fact is, most places around the country you can find like an empty arcade cabinet for less than a hundred bucks. So it's like it would be a lot of work to make your own, but it'd be rewarding if you're into yeah, it. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Um. Now there's other you know standards that are there. So obviously you know there are some that have swappable carts, like you've talked about. Play Choice Ten, um, Neo Geo, Neo Geo, exactly yep. the MVS yep. system, right? That's one of my those, favorites
4: because yep. it's so easy to to put new yep. games in there. <laughs> it's literally like a game console. You know, one card comes out, but, the yeah. new one goes in. Turn it on, you get to
3: play
0: cartridges. Yep. they are yep. as big as your head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the strangest thing about those they have like the double. The twin card
1: connector, double board inside the in the cart slot. They actually kind of look like two, like remember, like the old Disney VHS cassette cases. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like the size of two Disney VHS movies, like (laughs) side by side.
4: The the AES games actually come in
0: cases like that too, like the clamshell plastic ones, like
3: the old (laughs) Disney VHSes. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, there's there's Neo Geo MVS. There's also um, things like the Sega Naomi Naomi, system. yeah. The, There's,
4: what's that? New arcade operating machine interface? Something like I can't keep yeah, those th- straight. Those, those are pretty simple too, where you like can pull a board out and, and just jam a new board into the Naomi hardware. Yeah. And, and yep, Nintendo Versus. Versus.
0: Yeah. Um Capcom. Those are pretty
4: pretty simple to switch to the versus. Yeah. Yep, just a the, just a card the, slot so you can yeah. pop it. The boards don't seem as protected as like the Naomi and the Neo Geo though. No, First, yeah. You gotta find a
1: nicer way to store them. Yeah, and, and do you think that was because uh the idea was that, you know, Neo Geo was selling the same games to console users and arcade users?
4: Uh possibly, but even the, the Naomi ones, I know those came out a lot later, but they're mm-hmm. fully enclosed. Like you can just pull the board out and mm-hmm. stick it on any shelf and not have to worry about it.
1: And you know what else was like that? was a uh, uh, Capcom uh, CPS3 games. Yeah, yeah, those are very similar yeah. to the Naomi-style ones. Or, like, f- like, fully enclosed. Like, it just looks like an enormous, like, console cart. Yeah. Um, and actually, I don't know if you've uh, read into this, but the color of the casing was the region. Oh, no, I didn't know that. So, yeah, blue. Like, I forget what the code is, but, like, you can tell if it's North American, European, South American, um... Uh, like there was like blue, green, red cases or shells. So that's, uh, that's the difference with those. Interesting.
0: So even if you don't want to get too hands-on, if you buy one of the systems that basically works off of something similar to carts or replaceable pieces, then you yeah. could do that. It's a little simpler and you can still get into some, yeah. some fun games.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's still some cool customization, like for, for people who are like, let's say like you're really into street fighter. Um, and you have one street fight room for one street fighter cabinet or one street fighter cabinet that's like your absolute favorite. Um, there are, you know, people who make custom, uh, pieces out there. Like there's a, uh, there's a, I forget how many it is, or they're up to like, it's like a four in one or a six in one, uh, JAMA switcher. Um, so you can put four or six different JAMA boards in one cabinet and then you can just switch between the one you wanted to do. Awesome. So you could have, so you could have one. Ca- it would, you know, it would take you some money. and It would be like a little bit of a setup chore, but you could have like a legit Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Two Champion Edition, uh, uh Street Fighter Two Turbo Hyper Fight. I don't know why you'd want all of the different versions of it, but like, <laughs> why wouldn't you? Could you could do, you could do lots of different things. Or, you know, Marvel, Capcom, you know, X Men, Street Fighter. You know, you could put like four or five, six different of like you know, kind of like games in a series in one cabinet and it's you know it's the arcade boards for each one so there's some some really cool options with that kind of stuff
0: now on the pinball side uh correct me if i'm wrong rich but uh, the way i understand is that a lot of it is kind of manufacturers had their own
2: series of of things is that right is is in terms of what
0: like the electronics like did um yeah, you know, did you have like Gottlieb had their own like electronic systems, right? Um, right, with like replaceable parts. Absolutely.
2: There's there's different boards, different systems, and even among, um, you know, uh, titles like Williams. There's as as they you know progressed and got newer, the the boards changed. You know, you go from you know System Three, System Seven, System Nine. Um, you know, up to system eleven, and then you know you get up to the the newer uh, WPC boards, you know, with Williams, and so so yeah, the the boards typically between brands aren't interchangeable,
0: but um, you can get replacement parts that are all similar in nature for like you like you said, like series seven stuff
2: is all kind of one whole system, right? Besides like ROMs, is that it? Exactly, exactly. Usually, you just have to switch out the game ROMs. Um, all, you know, all system sevens will, will run on the same boards, but typically, you know, it's like you said, it's just, it's just a ROM issue. Those just have to be swapped out. Definitely
0: important to understand. Is there any other standards that people need to know about in terms of of pinballs?
2: Um, you know, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, really, you know, you just kind of have to do your research as far as, um, you know, what the game is and, um, you know, what sort of boards and what system, uh, it implements. Um, there, there are lots of sites that are dedicated to revitalizing these old boards. Uh, typically, you know, with, with older boards, you know, over time, uh, those weaken, and, and instead of replacing transistors, capacitors and everything on the boards, a lot of times it's, it's easier just to replace an entire board and often, um, with with certain games and and what we're seeing now with with boards, I I know this because I have several System uh, Seven games. Um, now instead of ROMs, uh, the newer boards will have dip switches where it'll have a list of games, and you just push down the dip switch in a correct order, and all the ROMs are on that board. Oh, so it uh, sounds like a good it's, idea. It's a great idea, and it's uh, you know I, I've definitely swapped out. It, it's not cheap to do. Uh, but oftentimes if you're having a lot of problems with the machine, um, it's a good idea just to go ahead and do it, you know, just update it fully. And, uh, and, and the good thing is, is if you're having, you know, if you're having issues with one machine, if it's the same system, you can actually swap those boards out to test different features. So.
0: All right. Good tips to know. Very good. So let's kind of move on a little bit. You know, obviously there, we've talked a little bit about having this thing, fixing this thing a little bit, but, um. You know, these things are are not are not tiny, so you have to have places to put these. You want to make sure that they're in a place where they can be safe. Uh, what are the kind of good storage techniques? If you've got to have these things sitting around, maybe you, you have to have a place to put them. What do you recommend? So if we're talking about pinballs, right? You've got to store one of these things somehow.
2: What's the safe ways to do that? Well, you know, the safest way always is to have it indoors. Um, somewhere that's climate controlled uh, is always the best when it comes to you um, in the machine, any type of electronics. Um, you know, climate controlled storage is always the best. Um, you, If you do have your machines down in a basement, it's really important um, that you have a dehumidifier and that you keep that moisture off of the boards um, and actually off of the wood as well as that can, you know, cause uh, progressive rotting. And Krabby, so obviously you've
0: got a lot of machines that you (laughs) have to stick somewhere. So uh, how do you handle that?
4: I do. uh, Well, I got a few of them operating in the store, and I've got a few of them in my basement. Um, Around my parts, you really don't have to worry about moisture and humidity. We're, We're very far from a large body of water so we don't not really worried about a dehumidifier um the storage place that i have um i I got lucky when i got these machines because it was after the peak of winter so it's not climate controlled um and we do get very cold here um around christmas time especially um so I, i got lucky there that i didn't have to have them in storage during that peak cold season. I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do with them this next year coming <laughs> up. Um, one of my, my, my pinball friend, I was talking about that as all the machines of Vancouver, he came up with a very interesting way to keep collecting machines. And that is to, to buy a few and then make a contract with like a bar or a restaurant and say like, you know, you can have these three machines in your bar. I'll take X amount of money from them every month. You take X amount of money. So they, they're being operated, they're, they're being used, but they're also being stored in a, in a safe environment, relatively safe. You know, drunk people can get a little rowdy. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, so, so that's his uh, solution to to owning all the machines he wants to own is to basically share the ones that he's willing to share. And he's got a few at home that are like his personal ones. But uh, I thought that was really interesting, and that might be something I, I look into trying up here just to see if it's a viable option to get them out of the cold for the winter. There you go.
0: So you're going to turn into an operator maybe, huh? Possibly, yeah. I'm going to look into that. All right. Well, there you go. Definitely some some good ideas, but um, I would agree. Uh, and, Bill, I know you keep yours nice and toasty
1: <laughs> in your place. in in Indoors. Well, they, he gets upset if it's, like, under 70. <laughs> 72 so but now I've, I've had that dilemma too where I thought like uh, like could they be in a garage and you talk to a lot of people who say like yeah like a garage really isn't that bad you just gotta like like they're saying uh, watch the humidity um, watch the moisture uh, you don't want to introduce anything that could rust, um, especially you know switches, electrical mechanical parts and everything um, in in, the, in New England I mean it's I'm not super worried about humidity if it was somewhere like Florida, um, you definitely have to worry about it. I mean, you can't even have hardwood floors in Florida with the humidity because you'd have to run your AC uh, all summer. Um, so I, it's going to depend on your zone. Um, I probably wouldn't mind having a machine or a bunch of machines in a garage. But, you know, then if if we had like a really, really cold spell in the winter, you know, I'd I'd be a little bit worried. So, my one machine's inside, and uh, I'm hoping to get more machines into a finished basement once, uh, you know, that's the plan anyway. Um, So, yeah, we've been pretty lucky with the, you know, only having one so far and that we can keep it inside.
0: Let's talk about, I want to take a moment and kind of discuss. Uh, maybe your favorite sites or places where you go to get information. I know we've mentioned a few, but also like places where do you go for parts? Um, so, so yeah. with pinball, Rich, w- do you have some
2: old favorites or places you love to hit? Um, in terms of parts or in terms of just places to go? Both. Okay. Um, Both. well, I'll start with just some good online resources. Um, probably the most well-known site in the world for pinball and pinball collectors is pinside.com. Um, the fantastic site. Um, And uh, it's a great place to not only find machines for sale, but to get advice on repairs. Uh, Everyone's typically nice. It is a large forum, so, uh, you know, be prepared. (laughs) But, uh, you know, the majority (laughs) of people there are really wonderful people and and really helpful. Um, I mentioned um, InternetPinballDatabase.org. Um, which is just a great site for um, you know, looking at machines, looking at the numbers produced and trying to get an idea of how rare a machine is and what a machine looks like. You know, if you get that Craigslist mm-hmm. ad that says pinball machine, da da, da 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 for sale and there's no picture, that's a great place to go. Rich actually pointed me to that site too when I was looking for I I,
4: I wasn't smart enough to take my camera phone pictures when I was uh undoing the wiring on mm-hmm. one of mine. Mm-hmm. And, and Rich pointed me there, and they've got such detailed pictures on my machine, even like they had the back glass off with all the, uh, the boards all wired up, so I just kind of copied that back and, and redid it. It was a huge
2: yeah. help. And uh, something that that site also has, they also have copies of schematics for every machine, pretty much, uh, which is nice. You can actually print them off in PDF format. The only machines they do not have are Gottlieb's. They do not have a license to have Gottlieb schematics. And so anything Gottlieb, you will not be able to find on there. Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, let's see, um, clove, not a bad site to, uh, they have a pinball machine section on the forums. You can find machines there. And, you know, I definitely mentioned, uh, local forums are a great place, um, uh, you know, to find machines, to meet people. Um, as far as part sites, I'll just list a few of my favorite and, and they're in no certain order. Everyone has their sites that they like the most, but, um, <laughs> A few that I order from quite a bit are marcospecialties.com. Uh, it's a great pinball site. They have tons of parts, um, you know, almost everything that you're looking for for pinball. Uh, pinball Life, uh, just another a competitor, another uh, great site for finding parts. Um, Bay Area Amusements, they have a, a lot of um, board sets. They have more of the decals. Um, drop targets, um, and things of that nature, not the finer, finer pinball parts, but the, you know, just the kind of random, more sought after parts, um, mad amusements, uh, the same thing. Um, they have a lot of boards, a lot of drop targets, things like that, uh, machine specific parts, if you will. Um, okay. Uh, pinball resource is, um, the site that actually owns the license for Gottlieb. So if you have a Gottlieb machine, uh, pinball resource, which is P, uh, PBR or I'm sorry, pbresource.com, Um, that's where you're going to find all your Gottlieb parts. Um, and it's just, just a wonderful site. The people that own it are just super wonderful people. Really nice. Um, and then two more sites, uh, Classic Playfield Reproductions. Uh, this is a site, uh, this is a group of people, uh, artists, who actually recreate playfields and recreate back glasses and plastics. So um, you'll see every once in a while they'll say, well, we just finished reproducing uh, Bride of Pinbot. We just got through redu- producing the plastics, and so they'll sell the plastics. Uh, everything does ship out of Canada, so... That's good for you, Krabby. <laughs> and I think I, hey, I think I pointed you there for your, uh, flight 2000 machine. They had, the- yeah, I, I saw the the new
4: playfield there. It looked really yeah, good. So
2: it, it's great to know that there are people out there that are actually reproducing, um, you know, these playfields and back glasses. Now they're not going to have everything, of course, and it's a very slow process, but it's, it's still a wonderful source, um, if you're looking for something to, um, you know, fully restore your machine. Um, And then the final place I wanted to mention was Great Plains Electronics. This is just a great site for, uh, um, you know, for finding those diodes or capacitors and whatever you need. Um, The guy that owns this site is a big pinhead, so you can just call him up and he's going to know exactly what you need. Uh, (laughs) Prices are good. Um, You know, they have all kinds of electronic tools. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good sites. Thanks. Sure. Um, we'll try to get those in the show notes. Sure.
0: Uh, uh, Bill, so I know you've had to dig around for Nintendo-specific stuff.
1: So yes. where
0: where would people go to try to find some of this?
1: Um, The uh, the one piece that has been kind of eluding a lot of people for a while is uh, the uh, team molding that's specific to certain Nintendo mm-hmm. cabinets. Because um, what Nintendo did was... They use different widths of particle board on different machines, um, but they use the same uh, like uh, kind of like the little router bit that like cuts out the uh, groove for the uh, T molding, um, so that the edge of the T molding is the is the same, but the width of the board is different. <laughs> okay. So so the groove isn't exactly a T. It's kind of like got like an overhang on it. So instead of like just change the router bit or get different T molding, they said. Well, why don't we just make some, you know, special T-molding that, like, the groove is offset. Um, so, the, the problem is when you go to replace T-molding in a Nintendo cabinet, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I can't use regular T-molding because it won't will go all the way to the edge on one side of the wood and it'll hang over on the other. Um, so, uh, uh, the guy who runs ChompingQuarters.com, um, he... Made the true Nintendo offset uh, team molding. So if you have a Nintendo cabinet or interested in Nintendo cabinets, uh, it's a good site to bookmark. It's like twenty five dollars, so it's not really that much, and it includes enough for one whole machine. Um, so about twelve feet, you know, from uh, for each side. Uh, so that's a really good one for Nintendo parts. Uh, the other really tricky part to have uh, to find for Nintendo monitors uh, repair is the flyback um, uh, transformer. For the Sanyo uh, or Sharp uh, monitors, um, they're only about thirty dollars. But since it's very specific, uh, it's a very specific part to those monitors. Um, it's one of those situations where you can only really like no one's really reproducing them. So they only really hit the market when someone finds an old case of them. And uh, that ha- I mean, it's happened surprisingly often. Like probably in the last like you know a couple of, like the years or so since I've been looking there's probably been like 3 or 4 separate times where it's like oh we found 50 of them um but they they do go pretty quick so um twisted quarter um has some right now uh which is a, they have a ton of uh, of other parts um and there, uh, there's a few other monitor repair sites that i can't remember the names of i'll i'll see if i can uh, uh dig them up someplace um the other really big uh, parts of uh, vendor that everyone knows about um but i don't know how many people you know still order from them is a suzo hap used to be called hap controls h-a-p-p um so now it's suzo hap uh after you know the merger with suzo um they carry a lot of new stuff so if you wanted to kind of like modernize a machine or like you know if you don't care if it's the original parts um you can you know if you want if you just want like a really nice eight-way batwing joystick for your mortal Kombat or whatever they've got it you know if if you don't want micro switches if you just want you know, like the one that like, if it breaks the, the laser beam of light that activates the switch, they've got awesome. those. So, um, so Suzo Hap and then, uh, you gotta mention Bob Roberts if you're talking, uh, if you're talking arcade parts, right? Um, so Bob Roberts has a website called therealbobroberts.com. Uh, go to it. It's from the day the internet was made. <laughs> uh like re- remember how internet sites used to be it was all just like frames and text, text. Um, Does it yep. got blinky text so Ro- down there and man yeah there's like animations that are like three frames it's awesome <laughs> like when i did so, a grade so,
4: eight html web page <laughs> yep
1: <laughs> so so bob roberts and go to the site read his bio he's just a dude who's been tinkering with arcade machines like since he could like hold tools <laughs> and he had just been running the site forever um It's really kind of interesting that he's been able to do it this long um, because he doesn't accept PayPal. You have to mail him payment. (laughs) There's
0: a check. It's in the mail.
1: (laughs) Exactly. This is like glory days of the Internet. Doesn't accept PayPal. Um, He won't explain why. He's like, I I just don't. He ships everything. (laughs) He ships priority mail, uh, 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 flat rate boxes only. Um, he'll answer your question. You can email him. It's like, he has a huge database listing of all the parts he has. And I think there's a few pictures of his house and it's just filled with like arcade parts. He's one of these guys who like scours the country for like old parts and he buys them and sells them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if you just email him and say, Hey, I have this machine, I'm looking for this. He'll like dig through his house and be like, Oh yeah, I have it. Mail me a money order for like 1850, you know? And it's, uh, it's it's amazing that he's been able to go this long, but like if you get on the forums for any amount of time, you'll see people like say, like, Hey, I'm looking for this tool, or how do I fix this or how do I do this? And without fail, someone will respond, Just ask Bob Roberts. He's, <laughs> he has he's that the part. Guy. Okay, yep.
0: good. Uh, krabby everything to add any sites you would recommend or anything
1: i just
4: want to expand on that klov that uh, rich mentioned Um, he mentioned it for pinball is a really good arcade source too Um, especially when i've had repair questions or trying to track down a piece huge forum very knowledgeable guys they've helped me out on all sorts of different machines Um, in addition to that uh, bill mentioned a ton of great places to grab parts Um, if you're in canada and you need really common arcade parts, there's a site called CanadianJoysticks.com, and I think he's out of Vancouver, and he he just, you know, you need buttons, micro-switches, joysticks, wiring, like really common stuff for most machines. He's got that stuff really cheap and local if you live in the north.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I don't think I really have anything to add. You guys have, have done a great job about putting that all out there. So, Um, the last part of this topic I want to touch on, and I don't want to spend too terribly much time because I don't think it has a lot to do with collecting, but I don't think we can really talk arcade without at least mentioning MAME and, and like pin MAME, right? So a lot of people like to build MAME machines. Guys have any experience with those?
1: Not a machine. I've, I've tinkered around with MAME a little bit on the PC just to kind of, you know, play some arcade games that I had never played before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've, you know, kind of just tinkered in my head with the idea of like maybe throwing a PC into an empty arcade cabinet and throwing a front end on there, getting some controls set up and doing something, but never actually pulled the trigger in any of that stuff. I had
4: one like planned out and all all the plans written up. I had the budget put aside. I was ready to make it. And then I found that turtles machine. <laughs> and I crumpled it all into a ball and threw it in the garbage and have never had any interest in it since then. I've that collecting bug has kind of bit me in the arcade area, too. I understand. <laughs> um, one one more site I, I should have mentioned, too. um yeah. Now that we're talking about memes, is lots of people buy, like, X-Arcade sticks to stick in their memes. Oh, yeah. So, xgaming.com, really awesome sticks. I, I've had one just for, like, uh, console play. Yeah. And I've I've had it for years now, and I love it. It's so good. I've had it for longer than I've had my son, and it's still works like the day it was
0: brand new i would agree i've got x arcade it's great it's really great um uh, i probably don't even want to go there rich Uh, but like pin man (laughs) man um
2: (laughs) jeez we're really going to talk about this are we
3: (laughs) no you don't have to you can just tell us it's horrible
2: yeah um let me just let me just start off by just saying you, you can't replace pinball you know on a on an arcade format. It's just, you know, the physics, the, the mechanics, it's just something that you can't really replace. and and high speed on the NES (laughs) is just as good as an actual high speed machine. (laughs) Come on. Uh, now I'll be the first to say, I, I, I do really like, um, pinball arcade. I, I like what pinball arcades doing and what they've done. Um, you know, even on the home console, um, they've done a good job of really getting the physics down but uh with the pin mame what that basically is for those that don't know it's usually a pinball machine that has um usually the the what would be the the glass is a is a giant television and <laughs> uh, it's it's projected yeah. and um you can choose from a variety of different games so you're getting to play a, a large variety of games but <sighs> In my experience, and I have tried them out um it it's not the same the nudging's not the same the feel um you know the the tap passes you usually don't have that same control that you have of a flipper um to do like tap passing or um you know alley passing or anything like that because there's really no sensitivity, no good sensitivity in it and it just it just never matches up. Um I was going over the topics list for this um discussion and all I have written down for uh this section is Pin Mamies effing suck. That's it. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: well I'm sure
0: the listeners will be surprised that on a collecting uh podcast we say emulation sucks. Yes, yes, but, yes.
1: Uh... <laughs> Also, all of the things that you said you can't do are all new terms for me. Okay. Like, uh, oh yeah, I bet the wall sharking is no good. <laughs> uh, I bet the uh, uh, the playfield blitzing doesn't feel the same. <laughs>
2: well, well, this will give me a good opportunity to plug something else that uh, another product that I, I really like. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to check this out, there's actually a DVD called Pinball One Hundred and One. And it's an instructional DVD about how to do these different types of, um, you know, like alley passing or post pass, um, you know, just just different skills. Um, and if you own a pinball machine, the good thing about it is you're not putting more money into it as far as quarters. So, you know, you might as well learn to improve your skills and, you know, make your game more fun, um, you know, by learning these skills. And, And the video, um, is done by Keith Elwin, who's one of the, um, you know, the, the best players in the world. And, um, it, it's really, really great instruction video and teaches you how to do, you know, the, these different types of, uh, flipper moves and, um, you know, how to nudge and, and things like that. So it, it will really enhance your enjoyment of pinball quite a bit. And it's, it's called pinball one Oh one DVD. And I think they're getting ready to come out with a, uh, if they haven't already a pinball one Oh two. So, okay. yeah. Well,
0: Cool.
1: I'd be all in on that. It's one of the things I've always I've always enjoyed playing pinball. I, I know that there's aspects of the game that I don't understand mm-hmm. or I'm not good at. So I, I know that I could learn a lot. Absolutely. And I'll try to send you guys
2: uh, maybe some of that video at some point. Maybe shoot you some video.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it all the way back around to tie this up neatly. And uh, at the beginning of this part, we talked about a tweet from Rip that said, what are your – um arcade memory so i want to go around maybe each of us can give uh one kind of arcade memory just to tie a bow on it so bill would you like to start us out
1: uh yeah ocean city maryland um can't remember the year but it was a uh, street fighter II, uh uh was in, was in the arcade uh at, in the game room um at this uh, hotel we say that spent a lot of time in that machine um learning all the different characters uh, got got pretty good at it, not great. Um, but I uh, just spent a lot of time in there, and uh, I was playing one day, and this teenager walks in, and like I'm at the age where a teenager is like really scary, right? <laughs> because like you're you're young, and like they probably you, are going to you take your money. You get back to
4: that age later on too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm downstairs, I'm, I'm in the uh you know down in the game room where I'm playing, and this and this kid was trying to scare me too. So I'm playing, and he put his quarter in the machine and then he looks at me and he, he held eye contact and then he slowly like put his hand up and he slammed it down on the, you know, on the player two button and uh, like, like new challenger shows up. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) he wasn't
4: slamming at your to pick. (laughs) No. (laughs)
1: So so he was, uh, he was, I was actually pretty scared and then I beat him pretty handedly uh, which was uh, made me happy. And then he kept putting quarters in. him. And then like some guy, like some friend of his opens up the door and says like, yo, Joey, what are you doing in here? And he <laughs> says, I'm getting my butt kicked by this kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then he was there like, oh, like get, get Rick, get Rick, Rick will beat him. <laughs> so then like Rick came in and then I beat Rick. So they just kept calling other friends <laughs> to see like who could beat me. And then they ran out of money. (laughs) So it's one of my favorite uh, uh, moments. The other one was my uncle gave me $10 worth of quarters, like a roll of quarters. I put every single quarter into the Simpsons arcade game, like (laughs) one after the other, like before I hit the start button. And then I hit start and we played that game through all the way. It was fun. Oh, wow.
0: There you go. Awesome. Um, Krabby, got some arcade memories you'd like to share?
4: Yeah, I got two, two specific ones. Um... In the early nineties, we lived in Manitoba, and my dad was really big into collecting sports cards so every weekend, Saturday morning, the ritual was go to the local card shop and he would spend good thirty forty minutes you know looking around trading cards, buying cards, opening packs, chucking buckets, that kind of stuff really boring for me because I have no interest in sports even at that age, but they had tucked away in the back corner, a four-player X-Men machine. <laughs> so he would just give me a bunch of quarters, whatever he had, and I would play X-Men for like half an hour every Saturday while he was doing his card thing. Really good memories that. Usually it was played by myself <laughs> as it was tucked in the corner and there wasn't a lot of other kids my age there. But even so, I had a blast with that game. Uh, the other memory I have is going to Vegas when I was about probably 10 a whole bunch of family members. were on our way to Disneyland, and we stopped in Vegas for a couple of days. And we went to Circus Circus, and my grandpa won like a thousand bucks of the slot machines. Oh. And so, he came with a huge, like, it's, at the time, I don't know how big it is looking back, but it seemed like a KFC bucket full of quarters <laughs> for <laughs> every single grandkid. <laughs> and we just, like like Bill said, like, in The Simpsons, you know, 10 bucks in there, finish it. Like, Chuck Rock, throw 10 bucks in there, finish it. Sunset Riders, throw 10 bucks in there, finish it. Like, I've never beaten that many <laughs> arcade games in that short of time, even with the ones I own now. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun.
0: Awesome.
2: Rich? Yeah, I probably have uh two memories as well as far as arcades. Um I I surprisingly and many of you probably be surprised by this, but I I was kind of a part of that Street Fighter 2 um generation and and really loved playing those those games in the arcade. Did you change your name from Rick to Rich to throw
3: the Bill off the set?
2: But uh I, uh, growing up, I grew up in a small, uh, mill town, uh, where a railroad ran through it and it, you know, it was a, um, uh, <laughs> say, a, um, you know, very middle-class area. And, um, there was a, there's a burger joint there that uh, had a grill and in the back they always had, uh, video games, pinball machine, foosball. And so, you know, I, I really grew up, you know, sort of, uh, playing arcade machines back there and, I guess what was kind of neat about it is this was probably the mid eighties, but most of the machines were always like early eighties machines because it was such a small town. You know, we would kind of get the remnants, you know, from the arcades. Which was <laughs> for me was really nice because I, I got to, you know, play a lot of uh of the older games like Miss Pac-Man and and Galaga, which are games that, you know, today I'm I'm still really good at. Um, but then they also ended up getting a Neo Geo at one point, and uh, I, I I do remember um, going back there playing um, baseball stars. Uh, I had some good memories with uh, the baseball stars machine, and then uh, I think they also um, somehow snuck in a copy of Bubble Bath Babes, which I have like really fond <laughs> memories being nice. a young kid playing that. but uh that's also where i uh really started playing pinball and a few of the machines i I really remember back there was uh, a high speed um which was one of the really more popular great games of the mid 80s and then later on they got a taxi and uh as many of you know and i've probably talked about that that is one of my favorite games and uh, a game that I have in my collection that I have restored from the ground up. And, um, you know, it, uh, it all stems from, you know, that experience in that arcade. So.
0: Well, I guess I'll round out. Uh, I don't know if I have some huge, glorious memory that I really want to, you know, I could probably spend forever talking about, but um, I think I really just want to mention the certain experience that I think um, people these days won't have anymore. And that is, Placing the quarter up on the marquee, (laughs) right? To mark (laughs) that. That's right, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you wanted to secure your place, um, you know, in line for that game. So that's it. There's maybe one player, or it's a two-player game, whatever the case it is, but that's it. You up there on the marquee you put your quarter on and that let people know that hey i got next game and then maybe some other people would line theirs up right afterwards but that's how you held your place in line right that was what told people that all right that's it i'm in um and i remember that most from the street fighter days um for sure which was you know just everybody was just always lining up it's always somebody new that was coming in and i had a lot of great friends and we would just go waste way too much time um but yeah, I think that get next thing is something that uh, I, just people are going to miss out on. They won't have that uh, that memory. I've actually
4: seen that happen in my store a couple of times. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm so happy. I've got a copy of Windjammers nice. on my Neo Geo, which is something I've, I've wanted for a very long time on the AES, but it, it's so much cheaper on the MBS that I ended up grabbing that one. And I, I just got it for myself. I didn't think anyone would care. But there's a few people who have just by themselves discovered it in the store and they've brought friends down to play it. And then you'll see someone watching them and you put his quarter on the cabinet for next. Awesome. Awesome. St- still trying to get the phrase, jam some wind to catch on. But it's, not, it's not picking up yet. Yeah. Let's go down to game quest and jam some wind. There you go. No takers yet.
0: Well, good. I I think we've probably given a really good talk about this um, particular topic. So, you know, we would like to hear from the listeners. So, you know, do you do you collect arcade? Do you collect pinball? Um, You know, what kind of resources do you think are out there? What do you like about the hobby? How many do you have? Um, Be sure to share that stuff with us. We really appreciate it. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening to another exciting episode of the RF Generation Collector Cast. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to listen. And um, just a couple quick wrap-ups. If you want to communicate with us, you can do that. You can find us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, uh, just as Collector Cast. You can find the show in a couple different places. So, Krabby, where can people find us? Uh, YouTube, uh,
4: RFGeneration.com. Absolutely. The podcast (laughs) picker. Yes, the award-winning podcast pickle
0: uh, some time ago sure <laughs> yeah you can also get us on stitcher you can get us on itunes uh leave us a rating if you could we really appreciate it um and again the podomatic app so it's all out there so uh bill had a poor guy had to duck out on us a little bit so he was pretty tired we're doing this pretty late so um thanks bill even though i know you can't respond but Thanks for being on the show. Um, <laughs> thanks for sitting in with us, Rich. We appreciate it. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. And as always, Krabby, thank you very much for taking it. I know of your ridiculously busy schedule to be with us.
4: I had to make time to, to talk to Rich in person.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. This is the first time you guys got to chat. So yep. it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely.
4: It's wonderful. Been texting with them on the, the old cell phone for months now, but yeah, it's nice to have some face to face so to speak. <laughs> <time> <laughs> time.
2: We've never exchanged words, but we've exchanged a lot of money. <laughs> 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 Nothing that's, that's so not. true. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's great. And uh, again, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna go in at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody's just
2: showing out now for outtakes. Yeah, now he's just having fun.
0: You the sad thing is that's actually just the first one I've included. He does this all the time. <laughs> yeah.
4: His Russian attack one was the best. Yeah.
2: I'm waiting for the Bayou Russian Billy attack. serenade. Don't hide that in the bushel.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>